0: school each Sunday night I'd watch the practice with, with none of, of my friends. friends I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends but I'm out of practice with your hosts keep learning
1: Michael Joseph Declia. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TV. What could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. Oh, oh,
2: Did you know
0: that cat toothpaste is chicken flavored? Did
1: you know, Senor Didi is getting his teeth extracted on
2: Wednesday? Out of Practice!
0: And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, a podcast in which two straight 40-year-olds talk about their cats. And occasionally, we talk about David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. Guys, it is the season finale of Season 5 of The Practice. It is Season 5, Episode 22 Public, servants, uh, how's it going? Yeah, you know. You know. Fake it till <laughs> you make it, baby. <laughs> we, were, we were talking right before we came on air about how sometimes faking happiness really does help the depression. Yeah, seasonal so depression here we are. is in. Here we are faking happiness Ooh. for you, but mainly for us. Because yeah. this is our little oasis into nonsense. Here on the Out of Practice podcast.
1: Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been looking forward with trepidation to the season finale because, as you right, might recall, last week spoilers for last week, big death in the family. So, you know, where do you go when the penultimate episode is so exciting?
0: Where is there yeah. to go but down? Apparently. Well, you know, I, I was, I was thinking about how we should commemorate. Uh, our our good friend Richard Bay Jason Kravitz and answer the question where did he go, and uh, I, I have some I'm I'm going to share with you what he did. Uh, obviously not next, but the next time that I saw him, okay, uh, he, he had hopped over to the original Broadway cast of the Drowsy Chaperone, where he and his brother played a uh, a couple of gangsters dressed as pastry chefs, and they sang this number.
1: And that's where we pull it out.
0: And that's where, no, no, you know what? Fuck it. We'll take our strike. We're not making any money off this.
1: Now, Keith, I know for a fact yes. that on the pod, I have discussed that I am in no small part
0: responsible I, for all of the success. I know. All of the success. Of the drowsy chaperone. No, and, have we, and, and uh, I remember I saw the, um well, it's what used to be called the gypsy run, which is now no longer that, uh, which is the uh, final invited dress. Um, on Broadway of this, was before they started previews. And what frequently happens with uh, a final invited dress is there's no programs because they have them printed for the next night when they're going to do that. And it's, it's all just, you know, friends and family and people in the business. So I didn't know that Jason Kravitz was in the show. I didn't know anything about the show at all. You know, until and this very so, moment, I
1: didn't know Jason Kravitz was in the show.
0: Yeah. So I I sat down and uh, first off like I had no idea what to expect. I'm like, hey, all right, let's go see the show, let's see what happens. It's a delightful ma- little masterpiece of a show, and then all of a sudden Jason Kravitz comes out. I'm like, oh my god, it's Richard Bay. It was it was really it was uh, it was great, and he's and in that scene there with like Lenny Wolpe, who's just a delightful guy, and of course and this was how Beth Level won her first Tony. It was uh, quite the quite the show. So.
1: What I think is really excellent about the show is that um, so real quick brief uh, reminder so at the time before the show yes. uh, went to Broadway I was working at the National Alliance for Musical Theater which I'm not sure is even a thing anymore uh, I think oh, so No
0: sure is No NAMP is still there Nymph is dead Right NAMP is still there
1: So and basically how it worked is we we they put together a festival of new musicals uh, but you only presented a 45 minute vertical slice of the show and then all these producers came in, and they either they they left some feedback, and maybe they would pursue a future yada yada yada. My role at the time was I was working as an underling for the executive director at the time, uh, whose name I shan't say because I did not enjoy working for this person. And
0: <laughs> tell me off air.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I you know I did a lot of work. I was an employee, sure. and yeah. I was introduced on many occasions as said person's intern. And I was like, I am not an intern. <laughs> I am, uh, And one of the things I had to do with another colleague of mine was select one of the last entrances, because uh, a, a a a a body, a panel of people select which musicals were gonna be selected. But then there was an extra slot, and I got to, with my colleague, we got to pick the last show. We put, picked this and made it into the festival. I'm not saying it wouldn't have otherwise, but we got it into the festival. A lot of the feedback was, you know what, that's not important. The important part is, is that many shows, Keith, as a composer, as a writer, it's not always easy to distill your best 45 minutes of an entire
0: plot of a show. We can't even do 45 minutes about a 45 minute show. Yeah, so there you go. Um, However, (laughs) Drowsy Chaperone,
1: the hook is so tasty. And that hook really is Dan Martin, who wrote the show, is this man. Bob Martin. Bob Martin, excuse me. Dan Martin is a friend of us from Titanic. Um, That's <laughs> that, right. Yeah. Uh, a friend, yes. Colleague, I'll say. Nobody wants to be considered friends with us, Keith. Let's be honest. <laughs> That's true. I was like, what, what do you mean? Oh, what you're protecting him. <laughs> yes, I get it. It has nothing to do with us. So, uh, <laughs> but it's this man who loves old musicals and he basically comes out, the Character of the te- the title of the character is man in chair. He comes out right. in an easy chair, pulls out an old record of his vinyl of his favorite old musical, and then begins to basically dissect all musical theater tropes. And it is
0: just is just lovely. It's this beautiful elaborate parody of old time musicals w- through a contemporary like heartbreaking lens. Yeah, just and, really. Uh, no, and I, I I I think I told your story. I I ended up for at some event at some party just spending most of the time talking to lisa lambert who was one of the composers on it and i think i told her your story so i think i think she said uh tell tell your buddy i'm grateful so yeah
1: well not only is she grateful but the other thing i had to do was stamp my name on a shit ton of rejection letters so like Oh thanks uh, Mike. <laughs> Stuart okay. Ross, uh Frank, like a bunch of these like legendary composers have rejection letters from me, who's nobody. <laughs> they just made me put my name on it, which was terrible. Uh, so uh that was a that was a, a cool job that paid no money, so I had to leave it. Go figure.
0: Yeah. Well, fair enough. Well, we have a uh, we we have a cool job that also pays no money, and that's this podcast. And this podcast uh usually begins with a segment we call and of course we have heard from our good friend and moderator phoenix cage who uh continues the discussion about jeopardy we were having mm-hmm. last week and he said read more uh see what i did there I'll never click on the read more. He said, Mike, I like Jeopardy! Okay, but my favorite trivia show was a single big tournament almost 15 years ago that put all the best contestants from several popular shows at the time in a head-to-head competition. Each one answered questions back and forth, essentially on a chess clock. When one runs out of time, the round ends and they go on to the next round and subject. The winner carries his remaining time to the fourth and final round. It was called Grand Slam. If you haven't seen it, you should find the whole series on YouTube. Mr. Johnny Nitro has it on in a playlist. Uh, You should at least watch the first match because it features none other than Ken Jennings.
1: And then we have a whole dialogue back and forth. You know, I was supposed to be monitoring myself, but I'm not.
0: Why aren't you monitoring yourself? Oh, that's so mean we really should be monitoring ourselves during this podcast and we don't
1: so then i let phoenix know that there's actually a that's too loud uh there's actually a sort of they sort of took a bit of the premise of the uh that show he's describing countdown is it uh grand slam grand slam not countdown at all uh nope they took some of the bits of that and created a new show that's airing now called The Chase that Ken Jennings is executive producing on and it's got some similarities. Uh, it's okay, but I am going to watch not Countdown. Uh, I've forgotten once again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what? Just make your best guess. Uh, uh, qu- quizzy.
1: Quizzy. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> God damn, this is gonna be a slog. No, it's the season finale, I'm excited. So, uh, and I was intending on watching that, but I actually got pulled aside because Jen and I started watching, uh, I pulled some episodes of season seven of Alone, which is a show you turned me on
0: to. Well, you know what? I think it is time to transition. Hold on, hold obviously. on. Obviously.
1: Yeah, I guess we're gonna do this thing, right?
0: We're gonna do this thing. So let's do it in the loudest segment entitled. Yeah!
1: You know what's gonna happen is that things are gonna work this episode. Because we're so in a place, shit's just gonna happen.
0: It's gonna be perfect, yeah. Uh,
1: So yes, we watched Alone season seven. We pulled all the episodes and we were gonna try to just like, because we loved season six so much, and I was a little trepidatious for season season seven because they were going to the Arctic again, which, though excellent TV, is real crushing, like and depressing. Uh, just it's brutal, yeah,
0: yeah. But I thought I thought that's what made it. I mean, because I watched season six was the first season that I saw, and then I went back and I saw the other ones, and it was like, oh yeah, right, but yeah.
1: Well, you know, the thing I love about Alone is that they it's. It's not like Naked and Afraid in some of these other survival shows, all which have their merits, but they aren't all pros. In Alone, these are survivalists. These are people right. who will go kill a, a a mux ox with, I think that's what it's called, that's what the guy keeps calling it, I don't know what the animal actually is, it looks like a, like a mini buffalo. Uh, a, a musk ox, yeah. yeah. Uh, he kills it, uh, injures it with an arrow, but then has to go finish well, the job. Well, don't spoilers,
0: spoilers, hello.
1: Yeah, you're right. Uh, uh, he also does some hunting with a club, like a full on caveman. And uh, it has some of the strong, this season has some of the strongest women who have ever been in. And what the the, the flip of of this season is, instead of just a free for all, who can ever last the longest is the winner. If you can make it 100 days, 100 days in the Canadian North Northern Arctic, it's a million dollars. Oh, interesting. A million dollar prize. And these people are- So it's are, not just one. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. It is just
0: They're awesome. unbelievable, yeah. So we
1: plowed plow, plow through it in like three days. Uh, and by we, I mean mostly me. Jen slept through most of it, but I I, I woke mm-hmm. her up uh, for the good
0: parts. Awesome. All right. Well, I actually, I, I almost never have uh, more TV things to talk about, but uh, I was texting uh, you guys about this. Um, I, I'll first uh, throw a quick shout out. Uh, Queen's Gambit. Super awesome. Super fun. I'm about halfway through it. Uh, I find, like, those genius kid with trouble uh, shows very compelling. Anyway, uh, but what I actually want to talk about is I started watching Mr. Mercedes, Mm. which I can't believe that I haven't watched yet because it combines so many of my favorite things because it's based on a Stephen King novel and novel series Stephen King is like my favorite author, and I've I've read the first Mr. Mercedes book and I and I enjoyed it. But it's also written and created by David E. Kelly. It's a David E. Kelly show. And I just started watching it, and out pops who who else but Holland Taylor as a new character created for the series. And she's basically just doing Kittleson. It's so crazy that, you know, here she is like. In comes Holland Taylor, giving her like, I'll give you an erection from the other side of the room. <laughs> just like she's seducing her neighbor and just like, like, look, I took naked pictures of myself. Look at it on my phone. And it's just, it's so Is the ridiculous. show good
1: outside of Kittleson and such?
0: Yes. Yes, it is. And you've read the um, books. It's I've read the I've read the first book. Okay. And the first season is clearly the first novel. Mm. Um and uh, but it's I, I find it very like it's it's a, it could be a little faster yeah if, I think it's I think it's just a hair on the slow side um but I really do like the performances are great Brendan Gleeson is awesome he's always awesome um so uh yeah no anyway I check it out I mean if you're if you're a fan of of either um of them you should definitely check it out and the other thing that I also noticed was uh, in season one, episode number three, the episode title is Cloudy with a Chance of Mayhem. because oh. And of course, if you're paying attention, there was an episode of The Practice called Cloudy with a Chance of Membranes, both of which a take on Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. So David E. Kelly... Thinks that joke is hilarious and is going to do it. I, I should really do a deep dive. Maybe this is a uh, Jorge thing. How many of David E. Kelly episodes have been a pun on that? Oh, that's uh, a good on one. That, I that think I think Jorge
1: would would appreciate that. That uh, yeah.
0: So uh, historian, uh, let's. I would. Uh, I'd be very curious. Yeah. How many overall
1: in oh, the run of the show? But then how many this season? Because we can put it into next week's uh, spectacular, which is my favorite thing Keith. So I hope that we find a little bit of a ladder out of the dumps because that's my favorite week of the whole whole season. Uh
0: Yes, well, yeah, next week, yeah, we are doing It's a chance the... to put on some hard pants. <laughs> I don't put on hard pants. I'm not gonna, I'm not going to stand up. I'm going to do a little soft shoe for the uh Wait, for Keith, the season 6 oopsies. Yeah. Before yeah, I forget.
1: Yeah. Uh mm. sorry to interrupt. Uh speaking of our boy Stephen King, our favorite author and and things that maybe can uh brighten our spirits a bit, uh, new novel tomorrow. Oh, on, really? On, on the day this episode drops, as you're listening, there is a new, it uh, will be released in paperback form first only, as he does with his, he has an agreement with Hard Case Crime, a publisher, and oh, he releases those kind of smaller paperbacks. So the next book is called um, Later, which is a pulpy sort of hard case crime novel, which I'm excited about. I will go to Barnes and Nobles and purchase it tomorrow.
2: And, wow.
1: uh, if you, I think I've mentioned this to you before, I'll mention it again on the pod, another one in this series of this, The Colorado Kid was the first one he wrote for Hard Case Crime. The next one he did about 10 years later was called Joyland, which is about the kids hmm. working at an amusement park in the summer and some metaphysical stuff goes down. It's a great one, you should read that as well if you haven't. Uh, we are shills for Stephen King, so I wanted to throw that plug out there. And that concludes More TV.
0: Yes, indeed, boy.
1: Oh, did you watch the Golden
0: Globes? I did not. You didn't miss anything. (laughs) (laughs) That was the yes end there. Yeah. No. (laughs) Silence. (laughs) You did all right by that decision. (laughs) Yeah, I... I, Sometimes I watch, sometimes I don't watch. That's just not where I... That's not where my head spins. I wanted to watch Queen's Gambit last night. That was my... uh, Means yeah, Camp it was good even for somebody
1: who I know n- 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 nothing of chess, and uh, it was still compelling on some ways.
0: Oh, I like chess. I like chess a lot. I, I don't play it as much as I ought to, because the only person who will play it with me is uh, my younger brother Scott, who is like really into it and really obsessed. And Scott and I, because we're brothers, and it's just we are we're so competitive that he will just crush me over and over and over again. And it's like, it, it's like oh, I wanna win sometimes. It's like at, at ping pong, we're like 50-50. And at many things, but uh, chess is not that because he's uh, much more into it. So I'm like, can we have a singing high competition? No, doesn't work. All right, let us move forward. We are going to hop back into the time machine to May 13th, the year 2001. And as we have uh, discussed, this one will be uh, eventful. So let's hop back into the time machine and talk about... This day
1: in the basement. Okay, Or, or not.
0: Or not. Try
1: again. Maybe roll it again. Three, two, one. There we go. Yeah. I knew it could happen.
0: Why don't you... Shall I go first? Okay. Well, uh, this was uh, May 13th. Obviously, uh, if you're paying attention, you know my birthday is May 20th. So I was heading into the car to go home and celebrate my 21st birthday in Vermont with my family before going back to Rochester, because as I mentioned before, I stayed the summer in Rochester with my girlfriend at the time in our first apartment. Uh, but I went back to uh, back to Vermont. That is me and my cousin Jess, and me like in in my like good like s- junior senior in college like good tubbiness, That's which I've I feel like I've really come full circle. <laughs> People say like I I wanna I wanna be like I was in college and and I, I did it. <laughs> I got fat again. Um, but and I did that it. is <laughs> yes, Adrian. Mission accomplished, <laughs> and that is Jess's dog Betsy, uh, who was so much fun. Uh, that uh, a, border,
1: a border collie, it appears. Yeah,
0: yeah, and that species of dog you have to—they run like thirty miles a day, and their heart rate doesn't even go up. Like she was really, really fun. She also thought the bookshelves in the basement were haunted. Yeah, so she would stare at them. <laughs> for hours for no reason whatsoever. Uh, But we had a lovely time and it was my 21st birthday. So you think like, oh, let's get trashed. Well, this was the stage in my life where I was completely uh, anti-alcohol and afraid of it. I was like Mm. genuinely like, like phobic of alcohol at that time for like mysterious reasons. I still, after 20 years of therapy, don't quite understand what that was about. Uh, not not true anymore, uh, but uh, yeah. So we had a, had a nice time with uh, with the family, and this is also a momentous occasion for this day in the basement for me, because in my email archive, my emails go back to May twentieth, the year two thousand and one. So starting. Oh. Next week, I will actually have access to emails that I sent and received will help me remember what the fuck I was doing next I haven't even
1: explored that. That could be, this has to be relatively simple. Because I did write emails, I think, to my family when I moved to New York in a few months. So, yeah, Yeah. I have to explore that. Although I did delete a good port. I generally, when I break up with people, I go through an email purge. Oh, love. do you just like anything that was important and/or like like love letters and stuff? I just purge and burn. It's
0: like my. Oh, I still have them all. Yeah,
1: it's my version of uh, the Hamilton wife burning the letters.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, interesting. Well, I have uh, <laughs> you. you well, I think you're someone who experiences breakups worse than I did. <laughs> I was sort of. I mean, well, I mean, my problem is I. I would always stay longer than I should have so that by the time I pulled the plug, I was like, it was done. Like, I was like, oh, all right, moving on. So I got all my heartbreak in during the relationship, not after the relationship. By that point, I didn't really care about the old emails, but so uh, yeah, so there it is, folks. Uh, Tubby Keith, it looks like I'm balding in the back of my head it in It does picture. look like you've,
1: you've begun a slight uh, receding of the landmass.
0: Yeah, uh, I and <laughs> my mom jeans. You definitely but, uh, got some,
1: some Costco jams on, and oh um, hell yeah! You went for a head first slide, which is never advised.
0: No, no, I think that was my work shirt from the dining center too. But uh, <laughs> to be fair, i i have I have many things wrong with me, but I'm not. I did not lose my hair on the top of my head. Hey, so but
1: Keith, let me say this, man, on behalf of yeah. myself and all of the listeners. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got
0: a nice little ass there, buddy.
3: That's that's
0: cool. oh, a little junk ask. in the trunk. <laughs> Here, thank, thank you. Uh <laughs> oh, Keith, Keith is blushing. The is thirsty.
1: <laughs> Did someone turn up the saturation, or is Keith a little? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I got
4: a very right, butt. <laughs>
1: Okay, well, let's uh, let's change let's change moods, <laughs> shall we? All right, so let's cut to it. Look, we talked about last week with my dad. He uh, he made some decisions, and we were kind of waiting. And then finally, all the hospice paperwork got filled out, and we were able to come home. And uh, you know, we had talked about dignity and about kind of getting to make some decisions about where your end of life will be. And my dad got to choose this like spot on the couch, you know, like not, my mom, I can't remember where my mom sat. To be honest, actually, but thinking back to like where we would sit when we would watch TV shows and stuff, I can't remember my mom sitting anywhere. I don't think my mother ever sat down. Just, mm. she played, she was the being a mom. There was always something to do. She never sat down to watch television with us, which is actually really, dis, really sad. Um, but <laughs> yeah. my father, however, when he was home and we were, the, the the section of the couch is where he is in my brain. There are memories of other places, but that is where he mm. is. It's where uh, I remember watching all of Mike Tyson's fights. We would order Domino's Pizza and we would just stay. That was the times we could stay up late and we'd watch Mike Tyson and he, he loved boxing. It's where he would watch golf and I would nap. Uh, mm-hmm. it, you know, just, just seminal memories of that. And that's where he wanted to to die, basically. And so they took out a little section of the couch. They put a hospital bed. There were these two tanks, I remember. they almost looks like when you'd go to Party City, USA and fill up balloons, you know? It looked like those mm-hmm. kind of tanks, which I guess was oxygen. And I guess there was also, you had a morphine drip, and there was this really lovely nurse. I, I don't remember uh, her name, but she was there quite often. And I remember them saying it was, it was like a three-day process, basically, uh, for the blood to kind of get tainted, and then... That would be that. And it was myself uh, and my brother and my mom and my dad's mother uh, was staying with us at the time. uh, And this nurse and my sister was still in high school. She was a senior in high school. And, you know, the first couple days was okay because it was a lot of activity and uh, my grandma was there and so there was a lot of, you know, there was just a lot of stuff happening and a lot of chats and getting things Decided and prepared and whatnot, and then it sort of like gave way to just this waiting period, and that waiting period was just a lot of stillness and, for me, a lot of fear. I didn't like to be in that room alone when he was there. I I, I don't. I I Mike, see, my grandma died when I, when I was really young, and I found her, I guess, when I was four or five years old. Oh my god! And I didn't. So I, didn't I have a, I sort of to this very day have a kind of a uncomfortability with. Corpses and and death, uh, which I've dealt with. <laughs> I deal with in therapy. It's just, that was a really trauma, traumatizing experience, and uh, so I remember I wasn't in there alone a lot. I I tried to avoid it, but then you'd go to bed and he would just be down there, and it was just really a, it was it was a terrible period. And what was the worst I think is that my grandmother was there, and you know there's that saying a yeah, parent should never have to see their kids die, and yeah, that's true. But also you should never have to sit there and just wait for it to happen. And she did, she like held vigil. She just was always sitting there. And I remember it just being really sad for her, but also like you, you couldn't get those moments alone with him because my grandma was always there. And he was not, he was almost instantly when he came home on the morphine drip, he was basically in a coma. There was no, he didn't come, there was no like really, I don't know, I, I can't speak to her whether he was, could hear us or any of that stuff. I don't I don't know. I don't really make a a judgment on all of that. But he definitely was not conscious with us. So, you know, 2 days turned into 3 days, turned into I think a week, 8, 8 or 9 days, which is just like far past what they had said. And you could tell like his breath was really laborious. It was just a person who was at the end of life. And you know, my dad was a, I think we've talked about it, he was a son of a bitch, and he was a, he was a fighting, son of a bitch, stubborn person. And so, there was this time period, uh, it was March 16th, so, what's that, I guess, if, if the show aired on a Sunday, which was the 13th, right? Right. So the 16th would have been Wednesday. So it was a Wednesday afternoon, and it was probably around, Twenty-one, probably around noon, 1230, mm. and I'll never forget, very vividly, like I, we've talked about, my memory is piecemeal about this period of time, but this is clear as day. Beautiful, sunny, uh, spring day, and my brother suggested to my mom and my grandmother to take the dog for a walk. We had this little, we had this little chihuahua at the time, and they did it was good to get some fresh air, they left the house. And my brother, uh, in, a, in a very courageous act, I think, it's it's almost like a, a Little House on the Prairie episode, but I don't know what compelled him, because this was not something we did a lot. But at the time, my brother was less conservative and very much about, he was very metaphysical and chase your dreams, he, he's, he's changed, but that's a different podcast. Um, he sat down next to my dad and I was with him, And he talked at him like you hear in the movies. And he said, you know, dad, uh, we're gonna take care of Tina, which is my little sister. You know, she won't, nothing you were supposed to help her with. Thanks, honey. We'll go unattended. Mike and I will take care of that. We will, you know, we'll be there for her high school graduation, for her college graduation, for her wedding. We'll take care of all of that. We'll take care of mom. You know, you don't have to fight. You You don't have to fight anymore. And Keith, I swear to you it was like the moment those words exited his lips, my dad took a deep breath and that was it. he let it out and he had he passed away instant instantly instantly and my brother and I have talked about it subsequently so I know that it's not something I put into my brain. so, uh, like I've talked, I've said many times, it was it was a combination of a little bit of panic feeling because we were alone with him when that happened, and so you know you just you jump to all these weird, I don't know. It, it, at least I was feeling panicky, but also this sense of just utter relief that it had that it it was so much waiting. There was so much waiting about it, you know, not counting yeah. all the just time in the hospital and this and that, and and the false alarms for years, and just what was yeah, kind of yeah. inevitable had happened no time to process the grief at the moment it was just the release of it and then my mom and grandma came back and that was a separate thing because you know obviously they had their reactions and my mom's was as complicated as a person could probably ever try to explain i'll never be able to fully comprehend cuz she was also exiting sort of a a prison of a prison of sort of suburban housewife oppression and all kinds of stuff and mm different podcast, my grandmother was hysterical, which is, you know, the sad end of my grandmom is that that kind of made her lose her mind. She never was the same person after my dad died, ever. And, uh, until the day she died. And then, uh, you know, my brother, God bless him, right in that moment realized he was gonna have to step up because my mom and grandma were, were not capable. And he called the coroner and the, the whole thing, and then I had to, drive to the high school. My sister was playing softball and was on an away game. And so I'll never forget, I was sitting in front of the gym, I got out of my car, and you know, they still have these, I guess, but you know how the parking spots used to have those like concrete blockers up front that you would like Mm -hmm. drive up till your tires touched it? I remember sitting on one of those and just in like a, a time vacuum. Like it wasn't moving forward, nothing, it was just like a stillness. And I waited. And then I remember the bus pulling up and I remember my sister seeing me through the window sitting on that block and like she knew instantly.
0: She had to know, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then I remember driving home with her and we took one car. And then, you know, my grandma was out of the room and the coroner was there. Everybody was there when we got back. They all left the room and... The five of us, my dad was in his like bed and my mom, sister and I all kind of like stood around this little horseshoe by the foot of the bed. And I don't think anybody said anything but I remember thinking in my head, like, you know there are times in life when you take like a mental picture and you're like, remember this.
4: And mm-hmm. I did that yeah. at the
1: time through all of the fog and the numbness and the, all the million feelings. I remember making it a point to say, this is the last time physically we will all be together. This is it. This is it because they're going to take him away right now. And so remember this; it'll never be this again. And it was that's very. I know it's very. At the time, I was
0: I'm very emo, so it was very final. But I'm glad I did it because it's not emo. (laughs) It was just the truth. Emo is like feeling that way when it's not the truth. That's full on the truth.
1: So that was, and then you know the next thing I remember is uh, the his funeral, which was really nuts because my brother uh, was wrestling at the time and uh, I was really in a way I was kind of angry because my dad had done a lot of stuff before he passed away and one of those things was that he made it so that we could not bury him or get a casket or get a tombstone or anything because he did all of the arrangements and the arrangements were he was cremated and then his remains were buried with my mom's mom because he knew that He really loved my mom's parents, or my mom's mom, and decided that he would be buried with them. I, I guess there was an arrangement, or whatnot. And so my dad, instead of the patriarch of my family, doesn't have his own sort of space. He's just like a name on the side of my grandma's tombstone. Which is, at the time, really upset me. Now, I realize that my dad is, we're so similar in some ways, like, he didn't really give a shit. Like, once you don't need to come see, like, don't come visit me at a place. Like. That's not what's important. And he didn't want us to have to spend money on it and all that kind of stuff, right? Right. So I I get it now. But at the time, I was a little bit sorely about it. Surly, sorely, sorely, surly, And, uh, but my brother was wrestling at the time and he was being trained to wrestle by the uh, Wild Samoans, which was a wrestling tag team in the 80s, you might know. And he became really close to the Anoy family. And, you know, a good 10 to 12 giant Samoans you know, my family, all these short Italian people are all there coming in and stuff. <laughs> and my dad's like shady friends coming to do their thing. And then these like 15 giant Samoans walked in and nobody knew what the hell was happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and then we all kind of spoke, my brother and I spoke, and then my sister gave a speech which uh, was really difficult to sit through because it was her as a as a 17-year-old kid, who just got up in front of all these people and listed all of the all of the things she wasn't gonna have her dad for, which Oof. was like really rough. You know, she's like, he, "My dad won't be here for my wedding. He won't be here for my high school graduation. He won't be here for my." Which was it was like a therapy session out loud, and it was really terrible. But uh, you know, time moved on, and it a lot of healing needed to happen, and a lot most of it wasn't gonna happen then. Yeah. But I realized in that moment, I, I didn't realize. My body, my, my psyche realized without me knowing it consciously at the time, that I needed to go elsewhere in order to allow myself the space to kind of figure it out. And uh, we'll talk about it later when we get to November. When I'm in New York, but I, I'll i never forget you know this ex that I've talked about a bunch, Carrie, who... Uh, convinced me to move to New York, and uh, I'm, I'm ever thankful for that because it, it changed my life for the better in so many ways. Uh, but I thought, Keith, if you'll indulge me, um, I've I, I, it's this is not comprehensive in any way, shape, or form, but I had on hand uh, a handful of picks that I thought we'd kinda sort through a little bit here. Oh, yeah. Um, so this is a pick of my dad uh, in 79, so a year before I'm born. So he's 34 years old here, so younger than me. uh, Before his life will change for the second time, he already has one, he has my brother here. um, Rocking the bell bottoms,
0: amazing. Yeah, boy, I mean, really leaning into that uh, 1979.
1: (laughs) Here's another time, this is uh, him sitting, you can't tell because we're zoomed in, but uh, he's in his spot on the couch, we're in our house now. I'm rocking quite a bowl cut. Um, Yeah, you are. Um, what else we got here? Oh, uh, this is going back in time a little bit. Talk about seventies, man! That is friggin' awesome. I mean, that yes.
0: Is... Here is that is uh... like a power suit right there.
1: Yep, and that's the last of my dad with like really real hair. At that point, you can tell here that his the top of he's he he and my brother both both lost the hair on top of their head. Uh, so my dad started rocking the toupee. Um, this is a rare picture of my parents smiling together, which is a different podcast. This is one of my all time favorites because it remind because this is where, you know, this morning, Keith, I I sat the last episode of Alone, I'm not gonna spoil it, but I'll say that the person who one of the people one of the persons who is towards the end of the episodes is dealing with the loss of a parent as well. And Mm. it it sort of got me in my feelings because I'm I knew I was prepping to talk about this today. And I realized that like in so many ways I'm different. I'm in more ways I'm the same. We're similar. And uh, we're just goofy SOBs. Um, so this is my dad on his honeymoon, wasted, and I don't know what's happening. I can only imagine he is the life of the party and doing something ridiculous but making people laugh.
0: Wait, and it's hard to tell through Zoom is he wearing a shirt that has no, hair on it, or is no, that no. just
1: that's just him in, that's the, just in the natural the
0: full indeglio? Yes,
1: he could get an agent <laughs> with that kind of body hair, he could get an agent. <laughs>
0: You know, I know an agent slash bail bonds woman who might (laughs) be able to get him a commercial deal.
1: Um, uh, This is at his wedding with my grandmother. Oh, It really broke her heart, man. Really broke her heart. Yeah. Um, This is my dad, as I remember him a lot with my sister. um, That she, you know what's really cool is my sister. See that tattoo on his left arm there? You probably can't through Zoom, but. uh, she she ended up getting that tattoo, my sister.
0: Interesting. Yeah,
1: on her calf or her foot or somewhere or something, uh, which is cool. I didn't do something like that, but uh, here's my dad and grandmother, again, with uh, me and my little sister when she was just born, which is cool. Cute. Uh, Here's one of my faves, sitting at the couch, uh, me and my brother and my dad, just one of my faves. I got just a few more here, sorry.
0: No, I. It, it's it's amazing. Same spot. Uh, good Spider Man shirt.
1: Oh, rocking the Spider Man shirt. Yeah, this one's cool too. He was kind of jacked up there a little bit. Yeah. Right. Uh, this. You got a flyer shirt on. Like yeah, it. This this picture is. Uh, I love this picture because, um, my brother, my dad, my sister, and I. I'm smiling because I'm always a ham. But I remember vividly. I can't remember why we were taking this picture. My mom insisted, and none of us wanted to be there. Uh, so I remember in the moment, just we all loathed that we had the taste to take this picture <laughs> yeah, because you just don't know, right? Like you just don't know that in the future, these moments, these stupid moments will be everything. But a couple of things yeah. I wanna highlight here, that wallpaper, the yeah. wallpaper in that room is textured because my dad had gaudy sensibilities, as you can see that like small chandelier to our right. <laughs> um, and- oh, That
0: was your dad who did the wallpaper. In a
1: couple of the rooms, yes. And what you can't see is on the adjacent wall, is a it's no there is no wallpaper because it's just a wall mirror. The entire wall is mirrored. Ah. Like we're the goddies or something. Uh,
0: you're, well, your house is very much like tied to an era. Yes, absolutely. With, like,
1: <laughs> and it's basically 60s era mafioso Poconos was the uh, aesthetic. <laughs> <laughs> uh. mm. You can't, also can't see it on Zoom, but our YouTube Viewers will note to that my dad is sitting upon a couch that is covered in plastic. Covered in plastic. Yeah. My yes. mom has all the furniture plasticked at this portion of the universe, and I'm rocking my twelve-year-old paunch there.
0: Oh no, I love it. I, you know, and I, I always I, it's it's funny. I hate to go on a tangent here, but these photos that get taken when people don't want, like with the kids, like mm. my mother just, uh, apropos of nothing, sent us all via text all of our pictures that we took on our high school graduations. Oh <laughs> and, yeah. And like in the cap and gown. And like, same thing with me where I was like, I'm a performer, yay, I did it, you know? And mm-hmm. my older brother looks like it's a hostage, vi- hostage video. Like he's literally like at gunpoint.
1: So you'll know I told you about the time when <clears throat> my dad got the Steven Seagal uh, autograph. For yes. Even, but he also did some, uh, his company did some work for, this is Joe, heavyweight champion of the world, Joe Frazier. No shit. And his son, Marvin Frazier, and uh, my dad was thrilled about this. Look at the deep V he's rocking, though. That's what I do.
0: Well, he has a deep V in every one of these pictures. Yep.
1: Now, just to kind of show you a contrast, this is a little bit later. When he started, would get sick with his diabetes, he would just balloon up, because mm. his blood couldn't, you know, his kidneys couldn't do the, the cleaning. Uh, this is one of his proudest moments of his life, uh, is when my brother uh, who was the first in Deglio to ever go to college. And mm. at this moment, my brother was in his like just streak of achieving every goal he set. He decided he wanted to be a cheerleader, though he had never learned to tumble or do any of those things. So in the course of like two months, he learned to do all of that shit and make the squad as a freshman, which is like unheard of. And my dad was just so proud of him. So I remember that. And then finally, I wanted to close with, it's gonna be a, just a blurry mess for you, but this picture does everything for me. So, oh. in fact, I'm gonna blow it up here. Hold on, let me do, oh, hold on. Is,
0: is that your basement or your living room? No, actually, the,
1: the 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 entrance to the basement is just off camera here, to the right. To If you were to oh, exit okay. house right here, you would go down, you would go through a gate, Keith, not a door, a gate. Oh, right, so we could <laughs> chaperone you guys. Right. And you would go down into the basement. Um, but in this picture, uh, you can see my mom's left arm on the couch, like so she's upstaged. You can't actually see my mom, which is probably for the best because <clears throat> one part of Christmas I hated was they were always fighting. But um, first of all, there's the rear projection TV that I discussed right, on many occasions. Right, we talked occasions. about. Uh, my mom's nutcracker collection on the mantel. The Christmas mm-hmm. tree, us in our specified, I'm sure this was true for your family too, you had a specified place you would sit to open your Christmas presents.
0: We didn't have a specified place, we had a, we had a specified order. We all had to take, we, we went around the circle, everybody did one. So nobody was opening presents at the same time.
1: The couch, plastered in plastic. And of course. exactly where my dad is sitting is where he would end his life. That's where he would, that's where his bed was. Mm-hmm. And uh, this photo literally triggers every emotion that my body is capable of. Like sure, happy, nostalgic memories, the sad memories, the sort of that longing, I think that the majority of us feel of like just wanting to be able to go back to that time because you believed at that time that you were safe and um, that you were protected and that, and you just didn't have, you know, my dad would say it all the time, all the time, Keith. He'd say, you don't understand that like, how how great this period of time is because you don't have any worries. And you think to yourself, of course I have worries. Does so-and-so from school have a crush on me? Uh, How am I gonna possibly get, am I gonna get invited to that party? You know, the shit you thought was important that today you'd be like, oh my God, what a stupid idiot I am. He would say it all the time, but it meant nothing. And one of the things that is just sad is that now I'm at the place where I I, get it. I get so many of that stuff. And I would love to now Mm. take that conversation to the next level. And I'd never get that. I never get to have that conversation. I dream about it. We I dream about him on occasion, and uh, yeah, that's kind of the journey. Uh, I appreciate everybody coming on coming on it with me. It's not totally done, but there's some more to talk about. But you know, I, I thought about today when I was I was prepping about what I wanted to say, and I, I didn't cover half of it. But you know, I think some of the memories that stick back is I remember him pulling that guitar out from the back of the couch. I remember going to Sam Ash one time and and him just like watching me play, and I remember how excited he was to set up that disc player or the surround sound speakers, and I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> right. he's a giant nerd too. Like, that's all me. Me and my, that's, I that's I got that. His ability to just like capture a room and, and tell a story and make people pee, and you don't know how much of that story is true, but it doesn't really matter because it's an awesome story, that's me, and, as kind of distant and unachievable as he is, as he's kind of faded as just become a story to me, less than a real thing, it's nice to talk about it because I realize that it's not true. I still have direct, tactile, I can still touch it. And I can still remember remember those memories vividly to the point where they're not just memories, you know? It's not just a fairy tale. It's still real back there somewhere. And, and, who he would have been, I'll never know. But who he was, I have touchstones to because it's a lot of who I am, and and
0: uh, and so this is
1: you know it's it's been good. I appreciate the ability to to talk about it for twenty minutes.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's and it's a it's an honor to to receive the story. I mean, it 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 really is, and uh, you know, and and speaking of stories, I mean, i I think you're I think you're right about still being connected because stories are real. You know, they and storytelling is what our entire lives are about and whether the stories are true or not, they are real. And that they they are how we as a species communicate. Really. And yeah. it's, it's like because memory itself is a story. You know, we, we don't have perfect memory. It's all and and it's a blend of of memory, of emotion, of experiences. Then experiences now. I mean, it, it story is what we do, and and it's uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, it's we're I'm honored that you would tell that story to us.
1: And I think you know we this is a also a different podcast, different story. But the thing that uh, we've talked about a lot that I think is is something that. You can only grow, and to people who might be listening that are younger or maybe have a troubled relationship with their parents. You know, I'm never. Who doesn't? I, yeah. One thing I, that has come to mean a lot to me lately in my life, you know, as we look, we look in the mirror and we look at our failings and our shortcomings and the things that are great and they're positive and the achievements we've made, our blessings, our fail, our, our shortcomings. All parents. All people, but in this context, all parents are just people doing the best they can, and sometimes that's not great, and sometimes that includes gigantic mistakes and misfires. But the the sometimes we continue to look at these people through the lens of when we were kids. They were we, they were supposed to have their shit together, Keith. They were supposed to know what to say. They were supposed to know what to do. And and the truth is is that there is no li- there's no test and no license to pop out a baby. And some people get the better better end of that coin and some people get the raw deal. But for better and for worse, those are the people who shape us and we owe a great deal of who we are to those people. In our in, in many situations, obviously I can't paint you know what I'm saying, but uh, No, well
0: I, and I I think for for most people, you know, and there are obviously there are parents out there who aren't doing the, the best that they can. And, and that's totally. a, you know and and nobody does the best they can every day. I mean, like li- n- literally nobody does. And I, I think we you know uh, 22, 23 years into therapy for me, I think I, I've taken a, a, a sort of a normal progression through that relationship where you start out where the truth is they are all powerful, they all they are all right, they are all everything then you go through a period of they are all bad they are all wrong they are the mon they are the these monsters and then i think as i as i get older it's sort of like well it's all true all all of the pieces are true and they all coexist and and the you know uh we we are not all one thing. I think we as as children and as young adults and as old adults, we really want to paint things into one singular picture. Something that is easily understood. Something that, you know, even even the even a mixed picture, we want it to be static. We want to understand it. Ah, Spider-Man is Spider-Man. This is what Spider-Man can do. And it's it really, it's just never static. And mm-hmm. it's never simple and easy to understand and uh because all of the factors are moving even if even if even if they're gone yeah time is still moving you're you you are still moving your memories are still moving the knowledge that you have is still moving you it's never static
1: yeah sometimes i i i start to worry like if i don't have kids then like does do i end with me you know? No. I know. I know. I'm, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm just saying, these are the things. You know, as as even th- even those of us who are are taking the therapy journey, like it never it does. It's never over. You know, that's the one of the big misnomers. People are like, "When am I fixed?" Well, guess what? <laughs> you broke for everybody. Um, well, uh, but
0: but we have devoted our lives to continuing storytelling. You know, to get back to it in many different ways. I mean, you know, we, we create and, you know, whatever we're writing, whatever we're performing, whatever, you know, even, even a memory of a live performance that somebody else has, and maybe tells that story sometime, like it's, no, I mean, like our, if we don't have kids, you know, and I, I, I'm not going to have kids. My legacy is all what I leave behind. Obviously part of it is, The stuff that I've written that maybe nobody cares about, but maybe somebody cares, maybe one person cares, and I have all these things out there. But it's also the relationships that we have effects on each other, whether we want to or not, good, bad, or ugly, and that will affect other people and other people and other people. And it's, it's, I don't know. You're stuck with us, world, until YouTube deletes this. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true. Look, i to leave it. Clean
0: up their files.
1: I'm going to leave it with this. The, you know, when when times get tough, and uh, when I start to like get dark about my dad and stuff, the three things I bring myself back to, and this is what I'll leave with my, I'll, I'll cap this this um, this portion of the Out of Practice podcast, this journey uh, of this day in the basement with with these three memories. When, you know, my dad, like me, were nomadic sleepers. You'll never find me in the same place. I sleep on the floor, I sleep on the couch, I sleep over here, I sleep over there, I just can't, One. that's how I roll. And so my dad would always end up, regardless of what his journey was throughout the night, he'd end up in my room. And I would wake up most every morning to the smell of my dad putting his cologne on, getting ready from work, after having slept on the floor all night in my room, because he wanted to be close to me. Because we both need the same type of white noise and whatnot. I remember staying home on Saturday nights, I don't care how, all through high school um, until I got into the band um, because my dad and I would watch Cops. We'd order Domino's pizza, eat pizza, watch Cops, and our favorite was um, America's Most Wanted, which is so crazy that we're doing this back in time to crime. It started back with him. Uh, And third is just... uh, is ironically enough, is getting in trouble. Actually no. Two more things. Getting in trouble and he would always uh he would always say, Pal, you gotta help me out. Your mother's driving me nuts. Right? It was always it was never <laughs> I'm mad at you. It's always your mom's mad, I'm trying to get through it. And he'd always call me pal, and nobody in my life no one's ever referred to me that. That's just my dad, right? Hmm. And then finally, um when I would practice my guitar, which was at Weird Times I could always count on him hiding in the other room just to listen. And, uh, mm. and you know, him telling me the story about when he would watch me in those couple of plays he saw, he's like, I always just like to watch your feet because he's like, your feet would tell me that you knew exactly what you were supposed to be doing and knew where you were supposed to be. And it was such a weird compliment, but it's those touch tones. You know, look, we've gotten to places in life where I don't need people to be proud of me anymore, but... I've gotten over the phase of like, is my are my parents proud of me? I'm past that, but it's those touch-tone things. I remember somebody was, and mm-hmm. and that's that's a special thing. I'm, I'm I am blessed and privileged to know that he was, and probably would be.
0: Yeah, no, those those are beautiful. I mean, really, and and I think very astute the the feet thing, like yeah. that's really astute. Yeah, especially since I'm not a, it's observant. not I
1: ain't a dancer, so he wasn't referring no. to that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but also like feet really especially on stage. Your feet give you away. If you're not you got to plant, man. Every time like if you don't know what you like if if you're not sure what's going on, your feet are going to you'll you'll be tap dancing whether you want to be or not. That's
1: yeah, that's just, yeah. If for anybody who's public speaking or acting or anything, here's the best advice. If you're ever thinking to yourself, what am I supposed to do with my hands? What am I supposed to be doing? Where should I move? Which should I go? Always start with nothing and nowhere. Yeah. Just stand there.
0: That's the yep. best place to start. You don't need to move. Yeah. Well, all right, let's do it. Let's move forward. All right. <laughs> but let us let us move forward. Wow. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, there it is. That's yep. that's what was happening Uh just stay in the basement. So uh stay tuned to uh the the season six episode one where <laughs> we'll talk about 9-11. <laughs> Holy
1: shit, you guys did not know what you were getting when you googled out, of, uh, out
0: uh the practice and podcast. Podcast. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. All right. Anyway, let us let us move forward with a little segment we call. It's time for
5: the out-of-practice podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. A beautiful now spring back to day. Keith and
0: Mike. Yeah. The number one hit continued to be All For You by Janet Jackson. My goodness, the top movie was... Uh, still the mummy returns in its second week, and uh the cover of the Burlington free Press interestingly was uh crooner Perry Como dies oh man so on the in the same week so, you know uh
1: Perry Como goes on to to like be a sem- seminal part of my life seminal dude
0: yeah because you you performed his music. Oh, of course, because Plaid. of uh, Plaid.
1: Forever Plaid, which is the show that basically saved my career on a handful of occasions.
0: Yeah, oh, what a great it. show! Yeah, we've we've both done that show, but never done it together. That's we true. should. That would be that'd be good fun. It will be during the run of this podcast that I will have started doing
1: that show, and I have mo- I have plethora of video clips, so you will get to enjoy Ooh. my.
0: Oh, I'm excited my about my first that. plaids, Yeah. I don't think I have video, but I have pictures for mine. All right, it's now time for the stupidest segment. One we call. It's time, it's time time for sports. Continuing the saga of the last chance of at a Stanley Cup for Ray Bork. The Avs beat the Blues in the conference finals, setting up a matchup in the Stanley Cup finals versus the New Jersey Devils. The series went back and forth with both teams having the lead before the Devils pushed Bork and the Abs to the brink of elimination after a Game 5 win. Colorado would battle back, winning Game 6, setting up a final showdown in Game 7. Quite literally the last chance for Ray Bork in his last ever game. And of course, he won! In a great moment for hockey, Ray Bork finally hoisted the Stanley Cup. Yeah, Ray. Yeah, it was very exciting. All of us Bruins fans are just all hockey fans. We're, yeah, we're rooting for that.
1: Myself included, Keith, as a g-
0: very big hockey fan. Oh, you know. yeah. well, you were, in a, you were in your Flyers jersey, so. I should say, uh,
1: mm. it's my pleasure, and especially my pleasure for Phoenix, uh, because mm. we're in Keith's sports ball segment, which we know is uh, very important to Keith. Everybody's uh, favorite segment. Yes. In fact, it, so it gives me great joy to spend time during the sports ball segment Ooh. to to talk to Keith and get Keith mm. psyched up for the fact that today... March 2nd, Keith. Actually, it was yesterday, but let's focus on today. March 2nd. Today's the first, Oh, you're right. But... Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm very confused. <laughs> I've confused myself. with the, What with year? The, what day? What's time? It's a meta plot of our podcast. Keith, baseball's back, baby. Spring training is here. So forget the fact that it's 30 below outside. It is spring training. Baseball's back, baby. We're going to give it another
0: go. Boo.
1: Yeah, well, there you go. It's sports ball. You
0: asked for it. Baseball well. isn't a sport. anyway. <laughs> Give me the <laughs> finger so I know when to start it. All right, here we go. Uh, wait, I got to find it first. What? Wait, here we go.
5: I'm a human being, goddammit. Yeah. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the
1: damn episode. One hour, two minutes and 45 seconds in. <laughs> We got there. Oh, we did it, We maybe. got
0: there. We we did it. Uh, so, so if you just skipped all of that, uh, shame on you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm really growing here as a person, people. And you just That's skip right. right through it? We're having like a big, we just had like an hour-long therapy you know what, I'm session. I'm not putting
1: links, I'm not putting jumps in this episode. You have one <laughs> shot, and you got to watch it
0: all. You want to get there? You must listen to my childhood trauma. <laughs> If I had to go through it, goddammit, it. So do you. You do. Too. In real time, damn it. Okay. So, uh, at some point, we uh, agreed to talk about the practice season five episode twenty-two, entitled "Public Servants," which aired on May thirteenth, two thousand and one. It was written. He's back, baby, by series creator David E. Kelly. And directed by Dennis Smith, who last directed The Thin Line. It is the season finale. It is the season of Big Swings. Oh, and it is the season finale of.
1: What is that supposed to be?
6: What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What? What does
5: Mike think's
4: gonna happen? You know, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened?
1: I don't know, Jimmy. But I did kill a
0: DA. Uh, you did.
4: Yeah,
1: and it wasn't Helen Gamble. Uh, it was. So look, there's going to be a reckoning. It was a for,
0: Toledo surprise. That's what it, it was. Yeah. It, <laughs> there's going to be a reckoning.
5: Chop the nuts. Pound the dough. <laughs>
1: um. Chopped the nuts, indeed. Uh, man, what a bad way to go. Uh, what a bad yeah. way. Yeah. Gun down in the parking lot. Now, at that point, we have to assume that, uh, who was he talking to? He was down there with uh, Abruzzo and Helen, right? Right. That They had left by that point, you have to imagine. Yes. Uh, So, the big question for me is, are we gonna deal with Percy from Green Mile again? Like are we do we have to do we have to like catch the person who killed Richard Bay? Is that what this episode's gonna be? Because it seems oddly look, I loved Richard Bay. We both we loved it. We loved the character, we I loved the growth of the character, except for this man. but it do don't get me wrong, I did feel guilty for having critiqued his eating as an actor, even though he got canned from the show. Uh so I feel double bad. I killed him and I made fun of him you did you did but but he wasn't as important a character that I feel like we're going to spend two episodes at the end of the season to like to discuss but at the same time if we don't deal with the fallout at all that seems kind of weird you know what I'm saying on yeah, top of I that do. in the uh in the uh the the splash screen that you chose for this episode we see Bobby hugging Helen and I think it's Helen and crying so is he crying over Richard Bay? Or is he crying over the the sort of fact that they all live in a very dangerous place and he's got a kid? Mike, this leads me to think, Keith. Yes. That this might be the episode where Bobby Donald, our prince, retires from the game. Wow. I know he's not off the show just yet, but that doesn't mean he has to be litigating. I think in this episode, season finale, Bobby bequeaths, living bequeaths, the firm to Eugene and leaves. Okay. Because I think there's no reason that him and Spader can't coexist for a little bit before Bobby goes on his fawn for a while. Moving into season six.
0: That's what I'm thinking. Okay, well, there it is, folks. All right, it is time for you to hop over to your podcasting service of choice. And listen to us. Listen to this episode, and we will be back for the season finale of the oopsies. Wait, what? No, no, you said that wrong. The season, the but the, the season finale of the oopsies. Oh yeah, I guess season, you're right. You're right. It's not the season oopsies. It's <laughs> far the be Oopsie it for me to show. criticize syntax. You're right. <laughs> and I'm the nerd bully.
1: <laughs> uh, brb. Season 5, Episode 22, Public Servants.
7: We got multiple gunshot wounds on the chest. Got no lung sounds on the right. Okay, you have the neck? Okay, roll them out. I want to see. Let me see. Let's
4: just stay back here. Helen and Ray are there. Just wait. Just wait.
7: Liz, go ahead and start bagging, them. South, start the bagging him. Start bagging him? Kevin, get him hooked up to the monitor. Okay, bag. Okay, first IV's in. IV number two, three. What are you showing Seems up on the Kevin? Uh, sinus attack. Okay, let's go ahead and get him up on the gurney. One, okay. two, three. And bag up. need
0: an oxygen matter, not okay. body
6: matter.
7: You get a set of vitals before we move. What are you showing, Kevin? He's asystole. You want to call it? Yeah, I got no pulse. I got brain matter. Let's call it. I got
0: brain matter? Let's call it. Which I'm pretty sure an EMT cannot call time of death. But we have now officially confirmed that yeah. Bay has left us. For those of you who are listening
1: and not watching, he looks dead. <laughs> but it's I'm glad dead. Jason got an extra like little cat episode.
0: Well, he was a season regular. He signed for 22 episodes. Yeah, so there there it is. We're uh, heading into the uh, the finale there. Down a cast member.
1: I'd love to know, like, I, I'm glad we got the context of, of David E. Kelly calling him up to let him know they couldn't figure it out. But you got to imagine, since they let him join the regular cast, they had plans. He's right there in the credits.
0: Right there. Like,
1: they, yeah. big picture, they were like, oh, I think he's going to fit just well. I think they wanted somebody, they wanted Helen to have a continued foil. Well,
0: and they wanted it was so lopsided. You only had one DA. So you, you want to have your regular cast members interacting with your regular cast members. Otherwise, it's just weird that Helen was the DA in every single one of the cases. And I think their relationship was interesting. I'm sorry well, he's it not. It got there. It got interesting. In the beginning when it was all about dating, of course. It was the... Well, it was all about how short he was. Well, we never We're really got past that. No, we, we sure didn't.
1: I'm surprised we didn't get it. We don't need a body bag. Just get me a
0: Ziploc. <laughs> See, now that's the funny short, short joke. No. You okay? Yep. This Maybe office has a been
4: a
1: through a lot of chair. trauma, but Eleanor, this one seems to be hitting them pretty hard.
6: Her.
1: I think I should check on Helen.
6: She's not- can been a rough office. It blew up like three episodes ago. I didn't ask Eugene.
3: Well, I'm asking you to ask
6: him. Eleanor.
7: You.
3: Why can't you
6: change it? It's a murder
7: trial. All Eleanor. right, come on. Eugene
1: can't do murder trials no, not this one, no. Why not? Because I'm asking you! Bobby.
7: Why
0: can't you just do it? Why do I have to fight? He's got a point. I can second chair. Yeah. I'm free. They're always not trying to. They're Let's always go. trying not to try a case.
7: I guess I'll be going now.
0: It's all the cast members like, I really only want to have two lines in this episode. I want...
6: We've cleared the area.
5: Last cell on the left.
1: Good. Keith, so Beat far it. Bobby is following the line of my prediction. Oh, Black Widow Helen in full effect. She is. She her origin story is complete. <laughs> That's
0: right, she's full on Darth Vader now.
3: Don't even bother.
8: Yeah. I'm represented
3: by counsel.
8: Mr. Donald informs me he no longer represents you
3: and get me somebody else.
8: I didn't hear that. Here's the deal, Mr. Cahill. You're gonna tell me who the shooters are.
3: Oh, really? Oh, am I? And what are you gonna offer me for this gesture?
8: Your life. See, I have a press conference scheduled for 11 o'clock, at which point I'm going to announce that you've agreed to tell us not only who the trigger man was, but also the names of the people you do business with. Then I'm going to have you released into the general prison population and you will be dead. Right. You want to call my bluff?
0: You're a dead man. Well, that's straightforward.
1: Hold on. <laughs> I
0: also love, though, here. so
1: what's great about, or some sort of uneven, let's be honest, lopsided, but also great. Remember, we spent a full episode of Richard being afraid and wondering if this guy had any teeth to his threats. Meanwhile, Helen knows that there are, he follows through with his threats and gives zero shits, has zero fear. She's like, um, not only am I gonna like go face to face with this mother effer, but I'm going to threaten to kill him and it's not so much a threat as a promise.
0: Well, and that's the thing. You know, why is Helen not scared? Because she follows through with her threats too. Because she <laughs> she has had multiple people assassinated.
1: We need a good full-on supervillain name for Helen. Uh, I Black Black Widow Helen isn't quite good enough. So we, we encourage you to write in and let us know your thoughts. Out of practice podcast at gmail.com.
0: Yeah, it can't be Helen McRambo. Take it first. And then I'll consider things.
3: Manslaughter.
9: If we can agree on sentencing.
3: They must know I'm innocent. Oh, we got they
0: a B really case. They really thought I killed her. We like do. They, say, they would Who's never... is the lead of the B case. B guy? Plan B? Oh, my God, I dropped
1: a plan B joke. <laughs> I could- Oh, what a missed connection.
0: Oh, that... Could have been better. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. All right. This is Henry Lubati from Tots, True Blood, Grim Sleeper Cell, and Big Mama's Father Like Son. Offered. Very familiar. Son. Thought he was a Broadway guy. He's not.
9: The offer doesn't reflect what they believe, Wendell. It only goes to how they feel about the case.
3: Well, I want to reject it. If I plead guilty to any charge, people will think I killed my wife. That's what they'll all think.
9: I am not saying take the offer. But you would be risking a life sentence by going to trial. You understand that?
6: So it was nice to, to, to have to
0: Rebecca trial. back in the show.
1: Yeah, remember that? Remember her? Remember
0: when she was on the practice?
6: You did everything you could, Bobby. You warned him. Richard had protection, there was nothing... I'm gonna give you some of my cases, okay, Eugene?
1: Yeah, Bobby is... Bobby's feeling it.
6: I'm gonna take some time off, I think.
1: Uh Uh-oh. Wait, how long? What does Mike think it's gonna happen?
6: Oh, shit! Maybe indefinite. I don't think that would be wise at the moment. Uh, Everybody's trying to hold it together. We need your leadership. You took over before. You did a great job. There are times... When the people here need you, this is one of those times.
1: I don't disagree, but he is getting kind of
6: yelly, kind of shouty. I need time to process this, Ms. Gamble. You don't
8: have the time, Mr. Powell. Whoever shot Richard Bay might be fleeing the jurisdiction as we speak or planning to. Offer's good for one hour only.
6: If there's a deal I want it on paper with a judge on board. No
8: time. You've got one hour.
6: This is extortion. You threatened to hang a snitch jacket on my client. That's a death threat.
8: Mr. Powell, if you're turning down the deal, then get out.
6: Run it by me again. First he gets immunity on Richard Bussman. Which we make no admission he had anything to do with.
0: Right. He just happens to know. This lawyer who looks like the literally the most generic white guy that you could ever find in the world. (laughs) Is Paul Fitzgerald, who uh, was in Dare Me, Younger, Glow, and Veep
1: it's good I, stuff The Glow was so good it sucks that they they canned that
0: I'm heartbroken that they cancelled Glow I know Netflix of all fuck? places which
1: gives 12 seasons to Fuller House
0: it does but it also cancels good stuff right in its uh oh, it's yeah, yeah It that was such a good show and it deserves we, we persist and yet nobody has cancelled us oh Jesus <laughs> <laughs> well, but we talk about it <laughs> and what about his life sentence
8: we'll cut it to 20 years
6: and how would you accomplish that when the sentence is statutory?
8: You bring a motion to vacate the verdict, and I support
6: it. You think a judge would ever sign off If on he it?
8: knows the deal was made to capture the killer of a district attorney, yes. You then enter a plea to two counts of second degree. We run the sentences concurrently. He's eligible for parole in 20 years.
0: Which is crazy. She's giving the him. guy take who killed her friend. And
8: tell him that the general prison population awaits him
0: like 20 years of his life back.
8: I'll draft the plea agreement and see you in an hour.
7: When I got to the house, she uh, was lying. Kittelson baby. Kittelson's back. Mrs. Forsley.
5: Yes, I immediately checked for vital is Stephen signs and she was dead. Was anybody else there? Mr. Forsley, you yourself. Well, Did Mr. Forsley say yes. anything to you? Yes, uh, he stated that he'd just arrived home from work. He discovered his wife lying at the bottom of the pool. He jumped in, pulled her out, Fan. tried to revive her, but was unsuccessful. Officer, at what time did you arrive at the Forsley residence that night? It was at 9.52 p.m. And, officer, when did the 911 call come in, to your knowledge? At
8: 9.41. I was walking my dog when I saw him arrive home.
5: Saw so, whom, Ms. mosher
8: uh, Wendell. He pulled into his driveway.
5: Do you know it's the Andy defendant? Uh, yes, he's my next-door neighbor. And you again. saw him in the car?
1: I saw him in the car, I saw him get out and walk in the front door.
5: Are you positive that it was Wendell Forsley?
8: I'm positive, yes. I was on the other side of the street.
5: And what time was this?
8: A little before eight o'clock.
1: I was impatiently waiting for my dog to have his bowel movement. It was about three minutes to eight because I wanted to get back inside to see Boston Public, which starts at eight. You tell Wait wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, piece that one together. Alright, so we have broken, we've crossed the streams, we've broken the metaverse just to get a shitty plug-in.
2: Conspiracy theory.
0: You know, uh, was Boston Public about to be canceled and David E. Kelly was pulling out all the stops, including promoting another network's show that you have already crossed over onto that exists in the same universe? Come
1: on. I mean, I don't even think that's a conspiracy theory. There's literally no other, unless it's just like a wink and a nod, but you would that would be stupid.
0: It's, it's for a show with, you know, ostensibly so much integrity it's like this prestige show about big ideas it's multiple emmy winning (laughs) they they cross over onto a show then reference that show like six episodes later
1: yeah i think after the fiasco of the gideon's crossing crossover he didn't have two shits to give no clearly
9: justified that you know when that fan yes we're neighbors how well do you know him? Enormous. Well, we've lived next to each other for three years. Been to each other's houses? Many times. How would you describe him? Gentle, kind. In the three years you've been living next to him, did you ever hear Wendell and his wife argue? Never. Ever see, hear a witness Wendell become violent in any way? No. Ever see him with his wife, Annie? Oh, many times. Could you describe that relationship as you
8: observed it? It seemed very loving. They were both very devoted to each other.
0: Very odd now that I have neighbors. I don't think it was worth crossing like, the time. To say about she us. was
9: too positive. Three minutes and counting the Boston public waiting for a dog.
1: You know, I've, I've, that's okay. Second of all, <laughs> I just, it just <laughs> clocked that they did it again. Uh, I said it twice. That's two. So that's two shots. I guess that we know what we're drinking to this episode.
0: Yeah. What what time is Boston Public on?
1: No. Oh. You know, I I finally spoke to a few of my neighbors. Uh, cleaning off the car. Uh, I'm the youngest person in miles where I live. Yeah. And I was cleaning off my car, and I helped. You know, I was helping my neighbor whose doors were frozen, so I was helping him out. And uh, subsequent to speaking to two neighbors, Keith, um, guess what I found on my door. Uh oh. Two separate. Church adverts. So now they've oh, yeah. at least determined that I'm nice enough to uh, be saved.
0: Oh, well, that's sweet of them. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's weird because you realize how much, you know, you, you walk walk around your house looking out the windows and, you know, just chatting with your wife about, oh, that neighbor is doing that and that neighbor is doing that and that neighbor seems like an asshole. Oh, I really like that neighbor. Like, I, I, it's so funny how quickly you turn into a suburban person. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh well, I was at a mall yesterday. A friggin' you were. Mall.
1: We should have <laughs> talked. we well, we'll talk about it another time. But um, I know I don't that know.
0: I think we might need to pad out this episode. Yeah, just right. So we have a, enough, we don't have enough content.
1: The uh, the thing that's weird is that not weird makes perfect sense. But like I have old neighbors, so you know they're nosy. I said because <laughs> uh, we had bought a new car, and I was like, "Yeah, we moved from New York City." He goes, "Oh, I know. We all noticed your your license plate." And I was like, uh, "That means it's been. It was a fodder
0: for conversation." Oh, definitely. <laughs> There's there's nothing too insignificant not to talk about in a neighborhood.
3: <laughs> did you check to see if they maybe ran
4: that show late that night?
0: I checked. are right. still talking about it. I'm not disputing the time anyway.
4: But he told the cop he had just gotten home.
9: He was in shock. He admits he was wrong about that. It's
4: kind you of a big mistake. You know what the mistake. case is yet, Keith? Did I, I miss me?
9: something?
0: He's innocent. Yes. That Here. mistake. Let's, uh, let's do our segment. Mike wasn't paying attention. Ten ten. Yes. So the case, our murder case here, is our our dude who looks like Pippin mm-hmm. is on trial for the for murdering his wife, and he discovered his story is he got home and he discovered his wife and the bottom of their pool. Okay. And uh, and so he is being accused of killing his wife. I can see. I can see you're up to. You want to do some of my in here? <laughs> I forget that the intro is
1: 17 minutes long.
0: I know. Well, I have it here.
1: Gotta get back home now to watch Boston Public before it's over. It's a really great television show where teachers (laughs) phone the students. But I can't watch the end because there's something I should do. Murderers belong where they can murder. DAs belong where they can die.
6: Just to wanna me. watch Boston Public, Dookie with my, my TV
1: <laughs> Gotta find my corner Oh wait, uh, I guess uh, I'm in a different place <laughs> than I thought Anyway, that joke brought to you by uh, Karaoke Instrumentals, the YouTube channel uh, that I guess gives you karaoke
0: instrumentals <laughs> And and for some reason credits Corner of the Sky to by Ben Platt Ben Platt? <laughs> Dude, I don't even think I ever sang it I think he put it out like an album, but oh, like, he's not, he has not. Uh, Corner I,
1: to the Sky, great song, but literally every time you're at a cabaret or at an audition or something and you hear that piano, if you're, everybody literally, this is the reaction. Oh, Jesus.
0: Well, it, it's because, it's because of our generation. Yes. Because our generation, it was one of those like overdone audition songs for people our age. If we weren't singing like, what is it about her? Mm-hmm. We were doing a. Corner of the sky. Well,
1: color me, because I had never been a th- a, th- a student of musical theater. So, like, like I did, I had done Joseph, and then I went and got that part in Pippin, and so then I moved to New York, and I had just done Pippin, and I'm like, oh yeah, Corner of the Sky is gonna be my jam. Was right. quick to learn. Oh, you can never sing that song, and I was like, oh, oh no, no,
0: you okay. you, uh, you you jumped right to Lost in the Wilderness.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was next, uh, followed by um, <laughs> what's that one from Jekyll and Hyde? Uh, not Jekyll. Yeah. Oh no, shit.
0: Well, nobody was doing uh, This is the Moment.
1: This is the moment. He's on trial. <laughs> Which is what I, the arts. That's yeah. what I sang to get into school. That was
0: my audition. Was it really? All right. Well, this was your this incredibly specific musical theater former performers. Uh, <laughs> I guess everyone's a former performer <laughs> now. That was the. There's that's like 10 people in the no world Ms. Ms. who like, are going to be like, Everybody oh, my God, that's so right.
1: Well, last night, my brother was watching an old rerun of SUV, SUV, SVU, and he's like, oh, isn't this guy great? Isn't this guy great? I was, I was like, you mean Raul Esparza? He's a Broadway guy. My brother's like, no. I was like, oh, Jesus, Nick. Come on. I, I know.
8: I know. Directly, indirectly, or there is no deal.
3: There's just one
6: guy.
8: A witness Everyone saw a woman on SVU is a Broadway in the car. person.
6: Yeah, that was his mother. She lives with him Hold Stapler's
8: on. coming back, baby This
6: says 30 years You said he'd be out in 20
8: Amend it If it turns out anybody else is involved Deal is off
0: There's nobody else
8: They're real What's
0: chummy Real chummy Yeah, well, he, and he just and gave up the shooter And the shooter's mom
3: Bruce Manning He lives at 1412 Columbus Street In the South End
0: really has that address committed to memory who like who has people's addresses in their head I know one address and it's mine I barely know mine I don't don't even know my wife's phone number so
8: how you doing I
1: actually had to sit down and study Jen's cell phone number study it so that I could memorize it
0: it's hard to memorize shit
1: when you're an Eleanor doesn't think so
0: so true we know corner of the sky front to back
8: why are you even working I forgot
1: how many bars the intro was
8: I have things to do. <laughs> You're giving the eulogy. One of them.
1: But I'm coming it up short. Seems like for yesterday time. we
8: were kids in school, doesn't it? Talking about our dreams.
0: Slow zoom, Keith. Slow zoom. Same conversation we're we have married, every ten minutes. A mom,
8: we've had friends killed. And I've
1: had cops killed.
8: We're not kids anymore, are we?
1: What blooded murderers, yes.
7: Did you make a determination, doctor, as to the cause of death? Asphyxiation caused by drowning. What led you to make this finding, doctor? The amount of water we found in her
5: lungs. And did you make a determination as to whether this drowning was
7: accidental or not? There was bruising around the victim's neck, the episode, consistent with Colin her Taylor being held underwater. We ruled word. it a homicide.
9: Cause of death was drowning. Remember when Correct. she was the main cast and Doctor, member? And, you what mentioned I mean? bruises around Mrs. Forsley's neck. Were there any other bruises found on her?
7: There was a slight contusion on the side of her head.
9: Any idea how she got that?
7: The head may have scraped the pool when he was pulling her out.
9: Could it be possible she hit her head before drowning?
7: I don't think that happened.
9: Is it possible
7: it's possible
9: thank you doctor and is it possible mrs forsley bumped her head became unconscious causing her to drown
7: with bruises around her neck
9: if one were to drag her from a pool by her neck this she could get post-mortem bruising could she not
7: is that what he's saying
9: this isn't about what anybody's saying possible doctor possible birds got caught I'm in asking her hair you as a coroner, was there if an a drowning owl there? victim were pulled from a pool by her neck could she suffer post-mortem bruising
7: I'll say unlikely.
1: Un- so many men seem destined to settle for post-mortem bruising.
9: Likely, so possible.
0: <laughs> Remotely possible. I'm gonna regret having uh, made a Pippin joke.
1: <laughs>
0: he does look like him, He though, looks eh?
1: just like. What's his name? John. uh Ms. Gamble. Uh, rat. Yeah.
5: Something. I'm sorry about Mr. Bay.
0: Shout out to Thank John you. Rat. Listen, rat, rat I've made someone. a tentative
8: deal, Jackie <laughs> Kale. He's given me the name of the shooter. <laughs> The oh, I know this
0: now. guy. Is yeah. All right. Here, building. let's do. Who's that guy that Mike knows. Who's that guy who looks like uh, he played lineman. He, he does. He is Art Lafleur as Captain William Bowling. Uh, he will be back. However, he will be demoted to detective for the uh, next two episodes yeah. that he is on. Uh, he has obviously an extensive career as a character actor including the sandlot the blob field of dreams where he played uh, babe ruth doogie and the a-team
8: including his mother according to mr cahill this man won't hesitate to either take hostages or shoot his way out my suggestion you apprehend him outside he has a nighttime job uh, reportedly he leaves work around nine o'clock
5: this comes from cahill
8: yes Evidently he carries at all times, It's extremely dangerous as he is volatile, so make sure your men protect themselves.
1: The last time you gave we'll a heads July. up to the police, Thank Helen, you. they ended up dead.
0: And she's like, he's carrying, he's dangerous. I went dangerous. To the pool,
3: and I saw her.
0: Laid it on a little thick, eh, Helen?
3: She was just laying face down on the bottom.
0: And what did you do?
3: I jumped in to get her. Swam down. I pulled her out. tried like to give her mouth to mouth.
9: When you I pulled her out. This
0: How? Oh my did God, you I had to that? blow this out for At hours and I tried to. Get these to curls.
3: By the arm, but I couldn't get any leverage. I remember I grabbed her head to pull her upright a little, then tried to get her on my shoulder.
9: Did you ever grab her neck?
3: I may have. I, I can't really remember.
9: How long did it take for you to pull her out?
3: Well, I was unsuccessful at first. I had to come up for air. Then I went back down, and I was... A-
1: you know, Keith, pull her out is also known as my plan B method.
3: Able to drag her up. <laughs> Might have been a few minutes.
9: Do you remember what happened as you pulled her out?
3: I remember trying to revive her. <laughs> There's just <laughs> side shots
1: of Kittleson just listening. like She's not even doing anything. Hey, she got paid her full rate. My wife isn't breathing. Sir, can you tell me your address? You know, the last time Rebecca touched one of those cassette recorders, she blew <laughs> That's up. That's
0: true. Yeah. It's no. the same exact model.
1: <laughs>
0: That's true. I think if I were her, I'd get a, 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 a an early mini-disc recorder. Because <laughs> I know they existed. Yeah. Yeah. I had, had one breathing. at this point. She
3: was in the pool. Where is she now, sir? She's her. on the ground. She, I got her out, but she's not breathing. Oh, she's blue. Oh, my God. What?
9: compelling is that your voice mr. Forsley yes actually it's it's Ben Platt when did you arrive home from work (laughs) that evening
3: probably somewhere around eight o'clock
9: and when did you discover your wife in the pool
3: closer to 930
9: so you had been home for more than an hour yes what were you doing between the time you arrived home and the time you discovered your wife
3: I was in my den doing bills.
9: So why did you tell the police you had just gotten home before you discovered your wife?
5: I don't know. I must have been in shock. You stuck by your time story at an interrogation later at the police station. Were you in shock then? Probably. And when you then found out that you had been seen by Ms. Mosher arriving home at eight, I bet you that gave you a little shock.
9: Objection. Sustained. Sustained
0: very weird time discrepancy. your wife got there? a good swimmer mr poiseley
5: yes in fact she was a competitive swimmer in college was she not she was all right i noticed that your pool is about 20 yards behind the back door of your house can you see the bottom of the pool from the back door no. 20 yards you had to yeah, walk right? up to look you have right? got a big backyard uh, so you open the door you saw that she was not out there, and you said to yourself, gee, I, wish my whole I think backyard I'll check the bottom yards. of the pool.
9: Objection! Overruled.
5: What made you think she might be at the bottom? She didn't answer, so... You said you went from your office to the kitchen to the pool rather than first seeing if she was upstairs in her bedroom rather than see if she's out in her art studio. You said to yourself... Let me check the bottom of the pool? I don't know why.
3: Maybe I just had a feeling.
0: Alright, hold, pause it right here. Because we have to introduce Who's guy who shot Richard Bay! Who's
1: the Bay street killer? Oh man, I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> uh <laughs> My goodness. All right. So the character of Bryce Manning is played by Christopher Doyle, who who has an extensive stunt career and uh, as a stunt coordinator and a stunt actor. And I'm just going to narrow it down. I'm just going to give you the list of characters he has played on Deep Space Nine and The Next Generation, including Klingon warrior, Cardassian officer, ghost, Jem'Hadar officer, albi- albino guard, Kellerin Soldier, Noel Ellis Warrior, Borg, Command Division Officer, Klingon Assassin 2, and Command Division Officer. Unnecessary Star Trek Reference. The line must be drawn here. This far, no farther. We have seen this guy die on Star Trek like a hundred times.
1: They're like, get him, get me that guy.
0: Well, here's this guy. This time he did the he did the killing instead of the dying. So well, they've got SWAT with machine guns everywhere.
1: Then again, we might, you might be getting the dying too, it appears.
0: <laughs> what gives you that idea?
1: I mean, we're looking down the scope. And, and Helen is there.
5: What oh, are well, you I mean, doing here?
8: So is the bait. I just babe. wanted to monitor. Make sure no Fourth Amendment rights are violated here. How did you get past our checkpoints? I'm a district attorney.
0: This could be a dangerous area, Miss
8: Campbell. Oh, she is the danger, buddy. Shooting, Trust me. Round,
0: she is the one who knocks. More distance.
1: gave a look, Keith.
0: Oh, this was first-degree premeditated. What, did she call in a favor? Well, she orchestrated it. What's
1: happening? Stay back, (laughs) ma'am. Mom. Look at how nonchalantly Helen just walked up there. So... Yeah. So... He's holding a phone on his hand, which I guess they're gonna say they're gonna claim looked like a gun. The question right. is, Keith, did Helen make the call to his cell phone? That he pulled
0: it out. <laughs> oh, 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 I like that. Alright. Yeah.
8: Place this woman under arrest for felony murder and take her into custody. Yeah,
1: she is ice fucking
8: cold.
0: Helen Gamble. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude. Not fuck with Helen.
1: Yo. Supervillain is here. She puts the hell in Helen.
8: Just now? I think she's dark Helen. Why were you there? There's nothing on television, okay, Eleanor? It was either a movie or watch a guy get shot. Is that funny? Yeah, well. Comedian? You enjoy it, Helen? (laughs) It didn't hurt.
0: (laughs) Jesus.
1: That's your roommate, P.S. Like, when Keith was my roommate, we played Madden and ate Chinese food eh, on the daily.
0: These these
1: two, two uh, discuss murdering people.
0: Man, what I wouldn't do to what? play Madden and eat Chinese food right now. Why didn't you tell me this was going
4: down? The man didn't have a weapon. Do you know that, Helen?
1: Keith had, uh, uh, inside baseball, Keith had two very specific Tupperware containers. He would transfer the Chinese Ah. into the Tupperware container, (laughs) place on whatever condiment, mix it up, Mm -hmm. and and then move to the one couch he would sit on. We would turn on the stolen projector, uh, kick his feet up, and uh, begin to eat the Chinese food from the Tupperware container. Do you still utilize the Tupperware container method?
0: Hell fucking yes. It was a cell phone.
8: It was dark. He made a quick move. From my vantage point, the shooting I'm looked just I'm a 40-year-old man. I prefer like to eat all shoe.
0: of my meals out of a big Tupperware bowl. You tell bowl. the police he'll take hostages. You got to take them outside. Jen's always like, why are you
1: using uh, the the, the plastic forks? We have forks. I was like, yeah, but then I got to clean the forks. The plastic ones I can throw away because I'm from the 80s and 90s and I don't care about conservation.
0: Actually, I do. I feel bad about it, but. No, I, I wash my Tupperware. The pla- it's, it's not a disposable Tupperware. I've been washing the same Tupperware for like 10 years. I mean, it's giving me cancer, a hundred percent.
1: You can't put the Tupperware in the washing machine. Turns out the heated dry will
0: melt that sucker. Yes, it will, yeah, I'm I still lear- do. I'm learning a lot of things. Well here, ah, uh, ah, uh, because I am such a conservationist, I don't use the heated dry on the-, oh! the washing machine. Oh! Boom, the there you go. Is volatile, he'll shoot,
6: protect yourselves. Is there any other way this could have gone down, Helen? This was the equivalent of a hit.
8: I have to take a different legal point of view yes. there, Mike. But you know what? If it gets out on the street, whack a DA, and this is what happens, I can live with that.
6: There's going to be an investigation.
8: Tell me where and when I'll show up wearing white.
6: Damn. What's the deal you made with Cahill?
8: You know,
1: I claimed Helen was going Tomorrow, to be killed this season in. and what I didn't recognize is that, she'd that she be doing
9: him. Him. I should have known. That is consistent with you her out of the mean like if I'm a there testify that you appeared might actually just they arrest her. No
6: motive. I think we're okay. Yeah.
9: Back. Mr. Bullock is here. Hey,
2: welcome.
5: Now,
9: Lucy. he says it's important. Ooh,
1: a showpiece that necklace loose. Ooh, fancy.
5: Thanks. This is slightly embarrassing. You caught the real killer. You could say that, Jimmy, yeah.
9: What's going on?
5: Well, it seems your client has an alias. Why we're just finding this out, I don't know. But this hoarseness here in my voice is because I've been screaming.
9: He has an alias?
5: Peter Bryant. He was arrested six years ago in Indiana for murder. charged with strangling his wife. He was acquitted. Uh Uh-oh. I guess at that point, he moved to Boston to make a new life for himself. When he was fourteen, he strangled an eleven year old girl and a nine year old girl. He was convicted and served time till he was twenty one.
1: He's a serial killer.
5: He also used to strangle chickens. Excuse me? As a youth, he would trespass onto farms and kill chickens.
1: Keith, uh, choking chickens, also known as my plan B method. See, unfortunately, I need a third one now to really bring it home. (laughs) Stay tuned.
3: (laughs) Pippin? What's wrong? There's been a new development. What? The DA found out about three other murders. Peter. I was acquitted. Of the last one, not the first two. (laughs) Those were juvie. Well, the DA is going to try to
5: introduce them as pattern evidence. There's a motion scheduled tomorrow. We're going to fight
6: it, but.
3: Is manslaughter still on the table?
6: Uh,
0: Everyone no. in my corner's going to die. Want to tell us about the chickens? Die! Die!
1: Man, we're going to keep going back to the pippin Well and six people get it.
0: Oh, that- that well is... Yeah. You killed him? Mr. Cahill, I'm
8: afraid I'm not satisfied that you turned over all the people responsible for Mr. Bay's death. What? I did. It's unfortunate that I just don't trust you. Accordingly, the deal is off. Your life sentence stands.
6: Hold on. Oh, yeah! On what basis do you believe (laughs) there were others involved?
1: My gut. David E. Kelly's like, you know what? I, I think for this season finale, let's just do a full-on kung fu revenge movie.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is like, this is a crazy revenge arc. Helen
1: is a uh, is a woman with a particular set of skills.
8: Have a nice life, Mr.
1: Neil. We
6: have a signed agreement. I
8: don't believe he lived up to the terms.
6: We're going right to court.
8: Excellent. That'll sure put the word out that you turned state's evidence. I guess this is goodbye, Jackie.
0: And thus, he murdered himself.
8: I was so.
5: Prior bad acts in a criminal case are inadmissible. Except when they go to pattern, Your Honor. He was never convicted of the crime. He was arrested for it, and the two prior murders... Were
4: juvenile offenses,
5: which means, as a matter of law, (coughs) they never happened. Juvie is sealed. That means we're talking about one prior offense. One offense does not amount to a pattern. The pattern is he kills wives. come on. Look.
1: Hey, Keith, killing my wife is also known as my Plan B method. Sorry, sorry, Jen. I didn't mean that. I just I needed it for the comedy. For the comedy, you understand. For the comedy.
5: <laughs> this man borders wow, on being I can't a wait serial for this to be killer. Back He's gonna in kill evidence. again. What's up,
0: Judge? <laughs> Based on what
8: I'm hearing, I'd say it's hey, a guarantee. Hey, welcome, Alan Taylor. But juvenile records are sealed, and as for the prior bad acts, I'd be handing him an appeal on a silver platter. It's not coming in.
5: So we're we just going to pretend for the jury that none of this ever happened. We're
8: going to finish the case. And then win or lose. You can go home, pour yourself a little scotch, and lament the perversity of the system.
0: I mean, it's crazy. It's the, uh, the right ruling. But it is insane that... Are you all right? This None of this yeah. can come into evidence here.
9: I, I just... This is
1: what you signed up for, Rebecca.
9: With Richard getting killed <laughs> The reality
3: of
6: The reality of what?
9: I, I've been clinging a little to this case The idea that we fight for the innocent Sometimes too, you know And Wendell, Welcome to I the, just I just I supposed needed to be a him of to be innocent, you know Right, yeah
1: me she's great though it's not he's
9: gonna
4: kill again well, that's, that's not something to mention in your closing it's <laughs> a, not even something we should think about it's
9: not even something we should think about rebecca no no what the hell are we doing you is there even any doubt that he'll kill again rebecca
1: Come full circle, where Jimmy is the only voice of reason.
6: This is classic right, dumb, dumb Jimmy. law, your honor, Ms. Gamble offered a deal. We accepted the terms. She received consideration. First of I'm all, I'm not finished.
7: Ooh, girl. We, we also don't have fuck to consider a substantive no, due gee, process.
6: The government must what? be required to give Mr. Cahill the benefit of what he bargained for. He gave over the shooter, who was shot dead, by the way. For Ms. Gamble to now say no deal—that is blatant bad faith. This woman was a friend of Richard Bay's. She's been on a mission. The shooter is now dead. Now she's reneging on a signed agreement to get my client, and it should shock the conscience of this court's fundamental notion of
4: fairness. Miss Gamble?
8: The deal called for Mr. Back Cahill to, to reveal White. everybody involved well, in Mr. In the Bay's South. death. Pretty... Because the shooter <laughs> right. was fatally wounded, our investigation of Mr. Bay's murder has been severely undermined. As for fundamental notions of fairness, this man put a hit on a DA. He has since threatened to put a hit on me. I find it unbelievable that a man who has violated our laws with such brutality, a a man that has murdered and committed acts of depravity, for him now to be seeking the protection of the law, to be exalting arguments of fairness and due process, this classic contract law that mr powell speaks of calls for the parties to act with clean hands i'd ask the court to consider mr cahill's
6: hands and i would ask the court to consider helen gambles
0: (laughs) yeah touche i mean i think helen has killed more people than the serial killer i'm sorry
1: I guess she lost. Uh, do, that's what Bobby's. Uh...
0: No, I, I think I'm sorry. I think he's. I think this is a. I'm sorry, your best friend died. Oh.
1: Well, you know, I was just going to point out that no one needs me to, but it's my goddamn show, so I will. Um, <clears throat> this is actually a, an interesting way to frame the the kind of conversation we have every episode, but mostly at the beginning and into seasons, right? Uh, We've got Rebecca lamenting, "What the hell are we doing?" As they try to get this guy off, who clearly is a, a murderer, if not serial killer, uh, using yeah. the law. You've got Helen, who is also co- using her protection as a as an officer of the court to be above the law, and right. and, and yeah. basically uh, dispatch vigilante justice, and. It brings back to the question, like, what is fair? What is the, who is in charge, who's running the show, you know? Uh, yeah. It, what is good? What is bad? What is justice? You know, yes, Are we? do we take it to extremes because it's television? Yeah, but the truth is, that, like you said earlier, very astutely, Keith, there is no black and white, right? It's, there, it's just all shades of gray, and, and we're just in this chaos circle trying to figure it out.
0: Well, the law itself is a powerful tool that can be used for justice or against justice.
1: Oh, that sounded like an ellipsis there, but I guess it, it was.
0: No, no, that was it. that was that was it. I I uh, was gonna say more, but then I planned beat yeah. it. <laughs> I know how close you two were. I'm sorry. I don't for
7: your I loss. don't
0: choke chickens. I plan beat off.
7: And I'm sorry for being an accomplice. Well,
0: now you've done two, so death. now you need a third.
1: Bobby, That'll be six. The, the comedy's coming six.
7: There's no <laughs> more denying that, Helen.
1: You're a
8: defense attorney.
7: Yeah.
6: Magic words, I guess. To check your conscience at the door.
1: I guess everybody's gonna quit this episode. Where? How does season six start?
7: I'm so sorry, Your
1: loss. Bobby Donald's like I need one scene to win the oopsie.
0: I mean, they're both crushing it. There's the there's the hug. Got a good tear out of out of Dylan too.
1: Look, would it be? I mean, I know they just had a kid, but would it be terrible for him to leave Kelly and go into the waiting arms of Helen?
0: Well. Uh, Imagine Helen as a mom Uh, You know We talked about Step-mom. the sock under the bed The third <laughs> That's the third time I've mentioned uh, the, the sock on the bed So I've just called in a SWAT team And uh, <laughs> He's very
1: dangerous Very he's, dangerous There's a loose cannon in there
0: Totally Yeah. Leaves his laundry everywhere It could be so- a gun That sock could walk expert. off on its own
9: so. It sure layers, could
0: Including oh, wait.
9: the corner. DON'T MENTION YOUR GUY
1: KILLED HIS OTHER WIVES!
0: YEAH!
9: ...has admitted that she drowned. That the bruising on the neck could have been post-mortem. That they could have been inflicted by my client's attempts to pull her out of the pool. There is no evidence of any motive. There is no evidence that Wendell Forsley was violent toward his wife or any other person. There is no case here, ladies and gentlemen. Wendell Forsley is only on trial because he seemingly lied about what time he got home that night. But as he told you, as Dr. Winters told you, he went into shock. He wasn't trying to hide anything because Wendell Forsley had nothing to hide.
5: I mean, succinct? He told police yep.
0: she put on that a he good had case. just
5: gotten home a full hour after he was seen entering the house, and he repeated this lie during an interrogation the next day. It was only when he was told he had been seen going into that house at eight o'clock that he then changed his story and said, "I was in and shock.
0: That would be no
5: sense of time.
0: What would make good swimmers think just don't her. turn up
5: at the bottom of the pool with such marks around their neck? She was murdered. She was murdered by Wendell Forsley."
2: i rise.
4: Um. All right, He's Heb. Eating. What you got? I have reviewed the contract entered into by Miss Gamble and Mr. Cahill. I think Miss Gamble's promises were against public policy, lived up to or not. I also believe they could be technically unenforceable under massachusetts general law chapter 265 section one which states that only the jury shall determine the degree of murder however the fact of the matter is we enforce plea agreements like this every day and miss gamble's deceit trickery bad faith it's also against public policy oh shit Lawyers who appear at my court do not get to take advantage of technicalities and bad faith to get out of deals they regret. I'm therefore honoring the plea agreement. Mr. Cahill's first-degree convictions are set aside. We enter second-degree counts. Holy
7: and pursuant shit. to the
4: agreement, Mr. Cahill shall be eligible for parole in 20 years. Back fired. Although, she did the one guy is dead. Thank you, Your Honor. However... This plea agreement is silent on sentencing when it comes to other crimes, such as Mr. Cahill's threat to hit Miss Gamble.
6: We deny that ever happened.
4: Yes. It would be nice for you if you got a trial on that. But you don't. For sentencing purposes, I need only find by a preponderance of the evidence that it happened. I make that finding now. To threaten a DA, Mr. Cahill. I'm adding 75 years to yeah! each of your two counts, sentencing to run consecutively. So you will now be eligible for parole in 150 years. Adjourned. Now, that's super satisfying,
0: but like, is that really possible? I mean, can can a judge, on the preponderance of the evidence, do the trial and in, in his own head? And secondly, if even if you say yes, he did threaten a DA. Aren't there sentencing guidelines? Aren't there rules that say that's a two-year offense, a three-year offense? Like, is it within the judge's discretion to put well, one hundred and fifty years?
1: Okay, so this is a criminal case, so it's it's a little different. But I mean, it's it's basically in many ways the the jury the verdict notwithstanding, in
0: reverse, right? Right, but it's but the you know our system is set up to be on the defendant's side not on the prosecution's side so i i'm i mean i i'm sure that it is possible because otherwise yeah we would need a we would
1: need a law person because it, it's it's not just specific to it's not in his criminal case right this is in regards to his plea agreement it's
2: right
1: a, right and it's a separate crime too right also also worth noting there that the the lawyer, speaking of like the blurred lines and whatnot, the lawyer there, or the defense attorney, blatantly is lying, right? He was there. He heard the threat. So he's, they, and he's saying we deny it ever happened. So he's just lying, straight up. Right, yeah. So, so if the judge is making the determination that it did happen, the evidence supports that it did happen, isn't that guy, doesn't he go with soggy fries? Doesn't he get contempt?
0: Well, yeah, uh, and... The evidence is literally just Helen's say-so, right? Right. So it, j- just Helen said so, and and uh, and someone he just called out for lying and <laughs> doing all this shitty stuff. It, it's odd. It's satisfying, because we want to see him go to jail forever, but it it is sort of like, huh? Well, speaking of satisfying,
1: we have nine minutes and 45 minutes left of the episode. Of the season. Of the season. Like, what... Uh, Satisfied is not a feeling I'm feeling So let's see how Can we get there I
0: don't know. Okay we have victory Depends. music Depends on uh, how your plan B goes Whether you're satisfied at the end it Doesn't take much these days
1: to satisfy
6: <laughs> Just look You got a kiddle, Sydney Just look at me across the room You think honored Richard Bay and all this <laughs> I think that cowboy up there just ratified In you. my mom oh, jeans oh, hey. Richard Bay was butt. a man of integrity he honored his word. He honored the law. If
8: you'll excuse me, I have to go to a funeral.
6: Well, I hope you pay tribute to him there because neither you nor that judge did here.
1: Get off your high horse.
6: He's right, though.
3: Yeah,
1: but he lied, too. So who, who, so who was he to, to uh, di- dish out platitudes?
3: I get the feeling you don't really want me to win.
1: No, Pippin. No, we don't.
4: What was your motive, if you don't mind my asking? I don't know.
1: Well, Keith, it turns out, Pippin doesn't know either. He wants to pursue something bigger than what he has. And in the mm-hmm. end, it turns out that that doesn't exist. It's yeah. all a mirage. So, in many ways, your uh, Pippin analogy for this poor bastard, just because his hair is curly, uh, seems like it might pan out.
0: He's just wandering through life, murdering people, mm-hmm. directionless. And it turns out that it is the devil, basically, who is uh, calling him
1: to proceed. So, you know, we got really metaphysical here.
3: Hmm.
0: Really pushing the musical theater references today.
3: Power. Just like the chickens. I'd be holding this little life in my hands. Fully alive. Vital. Noisy. And with one squeeze. Sad
0: piano. Sad piano. Sad
3: piano. Uh, I, I didn't know I was going to kill Annie.
1: It's confession time. <laughs> time to tell us why your wife is dead. Oh yeah. damn it. You're going to make me do it Confession yeah. time <laughs>
0: <Oof>. <laughs> this, There's Did so many like sing. serial killer monologues <laughs> on this show I was caressing her face i always wanted to do one
6: And, and she
0: just
3: seems so
0: It would be way too creepy live. I feel like I'd be good at it That's the sad part
3: next thing.
1: Rebecca's disgusted. Disgusted. Jimmy! Hey, look. Jury's back. Oh. I wonder if I can get a tuna melt. If the jury's back. So soon? So soon? What? What does it mean? On, you gotta ask it. Pittman.
8: Nope.
1: Will the defendant please rise? Emmy award winning Kittleson.
8: Yeah! Madam Foreperson, has the jury reached a verdict? Do we have, right. Your Honor? Did. What say you?
1: Commonwealth versus. W- we sentence him to find his own corner of the cell.
0: Oh.
8: Wendell Forsley, on the charge of murder in the first degree, we find the defendant Wendell Forsley not guilty. Oh, we're not. On the charge of murder in the second degree, we find the defendant Wendell Forsley not guilty.
0: Now it had to be. The defendant yep.
8: is free well, to Well, the go. music told
0: us it was going to be that Members way.
8: Members of the jury, you are dismissed with the courts. Thanks.
1: I think Rebecca's going to quit.
0: Thank you so much. They're all going to quit. Everyone, Everybody's everyone quit. leaves.
3: I owe you my life.
1: Hey, he'll
9: be home Can in time to help.
3: catch Boston Public. Wendell. Oh, 8 o'clock, you think? I, I, I'd go to a therapist. I really would. The thing is, if they think i do it again, they might tell someone and get me locked up. I can control myself. I really think I can.
1: Pardon me if I don't ask for a hug, Wendell.
3: <laughs> well, thank you again. Goodbye.
1: But, uh, here's Helen's eulogy. Let's see how she... Uh...
0: And get ready, ready for the most expensive shot in the practice history. Whoa. It's got to be 300 extras.
8: Richard had the choice a guy of stepping down liked. from a case where the defendant was threatening his life. Keith, because this is
1: it, uh, why don't we play the closing time bumper for Richard's eulogy? Okay.
0: Time to put Richard Bay to bed. It's closing time, because your a budget lot. now is dead.
8: <laughs> Richard had the choice of stepping down from a case where the defendant was threatening his life. He said to me, How can I do that? I'm a district attorney. This is who I am. And that's how he'd want to be remembered. He was a public servant. He leaves a legacy of truth, justice and integrity behind him. As well as some brain A math. legacy I've done a lousy job living up to the last few days.
0: As I've been murdering people. A legacy which has become
8: increasingly difficult for everyone in the criminal justice system to live up to as of late. But for Richard, it was easy. Because his compass always reminded him.
0: Holland Taylor he was, was already paid for the servant. episode. They're like, sorry, you got to sit in the courtroom. <laughs> or in the a lot
8: of people he considered
0: his friends disliked him.
8: Thanks for putting that in that detail. <laughs> A lot of them happened to be my best friends.
0: Because he was so short. Defense attorneys. Short people aren't likable.
8: People who come to work day after day, fighting for the civil rights of those who have murdered, raped,
1: Yo, she's going stole. on the attack of Bobby Donald and friends.
8: People who knew that by fighting for the guilty, they were ultimately protecting the innocent. Those people have come to doubt themselves in the wake of Richard's death. Richard never doubted you. He respected you enormously. Because he knew you two were public servants, and he'd want you to know that. Okay, that was classy. He was scared the night before he was killed.
0: Not Sure, it was true, but it was classy.
8: (laughs) He was afraid that the threat made against him might be carried out. And he said if he should die, be sure to tell everyone he tried his very best.
1: And bury me in, in flats.
8: We all know <laughs> that,
6: Richard. Lifts. Lifts, I meant to
8: say. I'd say heels, but I don't want man. to tear the ziploc. A man who saw a
1: I'd like to apologize to Lara Flynn Boyle here, who is giving quite the hell of a performance that we just can't help ourselves.
0: (laughs) It's been a long episode. We're tired. I
8: I feel like I lived a whole life. Crime and tried to stop it. It's also Monday. A man who saw victims and tried to console them. A man who...
1: Wanted a date with you, and that you a never man gave who, him. who,
8: more than anything else, well, she did, was a uh. dedicated public servant.
2: There's a day to
0: see Guys, we're going full musical theater. Keith, you better have her credit ready. Happy uh, I do. And This, of course, is from Ragtime, the Broadway musical, which opened a few years before this episode. This is Vanessa Townsend.
2: You better zoom in on Bobby.
1: Still your show, Bobby. Baby, Bobby. Bobby, baby.
0: She was in the original cast of Ragtime. And she was an Effie White in the Dreamgirls Broadway cast. Oh, we're
1: getting a full on Richard Bay montage. We're getting a montage. Oh my god if they showed the scene of him badly eating i would literally
2: <laughs>
1: oh they're giving him all the residuals for this
0: episode they're like you know what we kicked you off the show i mean i genuinely think when was that when he kissed helen it was early we see the whole cast hero shot
1: will
2: never get to heaven till we reach that day.
0: wow and no cliffhanger is how we finish season 5 of the practice hmm. with a guilty
1: montage <laughs> keith how long ago did you ask me to turn up the episode audio
0: Oh, about an hour and a half.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's perfect. Nailed it. Nailed Nailed
1: it. it. (laughs) Oh, we'll see you back for the oopsies in just a
0: second. (laughs) And we are back, baby yes indeed we are boy you have uh we have gone on a journey all the way through season five Ah, and uh just in case you uh you didn't remember uh we have my favorite segment mike
1: has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show you know uh richard bay still dead and uh, we have the trial uh, continuing of Green Mile and all kinds of stuff happened. Helen murders a guy. There's a thing. Another thing happens and then ultimately uh, he's only found guilty of uh, murder too but then the judge is like, guess what? 150 years. Suck it. Everybody doesn't know if they want to be lawyers anymore because Pippin's a murderer and, you know, Rebecca's upset with that and so we walk off in a hero shot and everybody's like, what's happening next season? We don't know.
0: We don't know. We don't No, but I know what's happening next for us. It's our fake award show, entitled...
1: Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie. The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies?
0: Well, I'll tell you, Jackie. It's our fake award show, which begins with... Most
1: valuable! Uh, well... I mean I guess the my, my first vote goes to uh Rebecca D because she, you know, got the guy got Pippin off, even though not only was there evidence the only thing
0: that gets him off is choking chickens.
1: Right. And the evidence there's a preponderance of evidence that he was a murderer, but she lawyered him uh past that and also gave a great close. So I think it has to be Rebecca D and Jimmy, but it was really Rebecca D.
0: Yeah, no, I I completely agree. I mean, you could that there, there is an argument somehow that uh, Helen got justice, sort of, but and as a lawyer, but no, I I think it's definitely uh, Rebecca D. Cricket who uh, got that serial killer off, so he can continue serial killing. So way to go, Rebecca D. Cricket. Okay, guys, <clears throat> limber up. Already famous cause you've been on TV, getting a pay. or the first entry on your IMDb, way to go. But you're the best guest actor, you are the best guest actor, you are the best guest actor on the episode. That That's gotten,
1: re- you know, we have, the month and a half of rehearsal has really, really paid
0: off. <laughs> I don't know why we have to do it at 9 o'clock in the morning, though.
1: Well, Keith, because that's when uh, your dance legs are made. I couldn't come. I really thought I could come up with like a, a turn of phrase, like an industry turn of phrase, and nothing that's came.
0: That's when my dance legs are made. <laughs> the quote was, that's when your dance legs get made. Comedian?
1: You wouldn't know that I had, we had 20 plus, between us, almost 40 years of... Uh, industry knowledge, theatrical industry
0: knowledge. I know both of us. <laughs> and I I'm so I'm sorry not for us but for the art form. Yeah. Have really. been paid money to dance. <laughs> I have it on video and Keith just refuses to let me play it. <laughs> refuses. Trust me. Many I like many times yeah. we have been paid money. And part of our job description is to dance in an unironically, unironic fashion. But thank God we got our dance legs made.
1: Uh (laughs) (laughs) Well, now, so Richard Bay doesn't count here, right? Because he's still a member of the main cast in the credits. We can't give him a posthumous best guest actor here.
0: Well, I mean, he can't, he, he, he was not a guest actor this season.
1: That's right. Okay. Well, um huh. I guess you know Pippin was good. Mm-hmm. He gave that great uh chicken choker and uh admission at the end. You know what I also thought was really great and sort of unsung is um and we've heard him before, very very uh noticeable voice
0: was his attorney. Oh, Stephen Gilborn. Yeah. He was always I thought, good.
1: Yeah, he was good, and he had a great scene when uh, he realized that
0: he dropped the ball. He's a former oopsie winner.
1: Yeah, so I almost wonder if he should come back in, but I think that just due to screen time and the fact that we really kind of, and by we, I mean me, trampled over his performance by trying to shoehorn terrible murder lyrics into Pippin, (laughs) I think that uh, Pippin, who goes by the name of in this episode.
0: Oh, 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 Henry Lubati. Is gonna be, uh, I think he is
1: the best guest actor of the episode.
0: Yeah, I know. I completely agree. It's. I thought. I mean, at this point, I'm tiring a little bit of the serial killer reveal and the serial killer monologue. Like, we, there's. I don't. Know, what, what does the FBI say? Like, there's only like 30 serial killers active at any given point. And uh, I mean, it's not Criminal Minds where they've caught 350 of them, but yeah. we've definitely, you know, had at least. 70 percent of all serial killers go through this the Boston legal office. legal office yeah the Boston legal office so however he did do a great job and uh and you know had the best hair of the episode oh, for, sure. for sure for sure so uh congratulations to Pippin Henry labo for winning best guest actor and best hair coming up next you killed your podiatrist or blue case, but you let a single tear run down your face, you're the best actor on the show.
1: We have our hands full today because we had great little snippets of scenes from everybody. I mean, even yeah, Eleanor, who was barely in the episode, got a little bit of screen time in the beginning. Uh, I think the main players that we have to contend with, Bobby Donald, great in every scene this, and really a lot of sadness Dylan. to portray. Dylan, yep. Dylan McDermott. Great I think Rebecca D. Cricket scene with Jimmy puts her definitely right into contention, as well as her clothes, mm-hmm. which was you know yeah. succinct but good. And she, you could see the way the weight on her as she was delivering it.
0: Lisa Gay Hamilton.
1: Lisa Gay Hamilton. Thank you for translating my spe- speaking. But I think for me, Helen Gamble edges it out here because not Butterfly
6: only Boyle. <laughs> <laughs> you know they're not real, right? <laughs>
1: I don't know anything anymore. Um, <laughs> not only did we get to see her, we got to see her pain in a few scenes, we also got to see the effects of her pain. And yes, were there some villainous tropes and some kind of crazy over the topishness uh with, with the origin story of her villain, which we haven't particularly named yet. Uh, so far it's Darth Helen.
0: Darth Helen, yeah.
1: But even those were grounded enough that they were frightening and or intimidating at the least. And on top of all of that, they didn't seem out of place. She played them as real as they could be to the point where Ray Abruzzo was uh, uh,
0: scared, scared of her. Scared now. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be scared of her.
1: But then that the, the eulogy at the end, even though I spoke over all of it, she was still able as an actress to take all of those disparate performances of the episode and show that they were all performed by one person—that—that that yeah. it is really Helen motivated
0: by yes. that feeling. Yeah.
1: Helen is feeling all those feels, and she feels justified in what she did. Now we can talk whether we think the episode had a strong viewpoint of anything. That's why I think we maybe we might have a conversation because I'm I'm still mm-hmm. mulling it. But as for as as an actress, I think she had the 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 toughest. Hill to climb because of the sort of varying peaks and valleys of, of what was written for her, and so I think for that reason I, I'm going to give it to Lara Flynn Boyle.
0: Yeah, no, I I think you're I think you're right. I mean, I think Dylan did some of his best work in this episode in that scene, um, and I I it was really really excellent work. If if the episode had been about him, I think we'd be doing that. But this is a this is sort of a tour de force. For Lara Flynn Boyle in this in this episode, and it is Helen, full Helening. This is Helen at an eleven. You know, like we've seen Bobby at an eleven. This is Helen at an eleven, and I think she's a really compelling character because she has, you know, these good impulses, and we see. I mean, this whole season we've watched her battle between her good angels and her bad angels. And and she's is just somebody who appears to be stoic so often, but her behavior is the behavior of someone who feels deeply. And I think that that, like, like you said, um, so I thought she did really excellent work. I mean, and I think the, the redemption of Helen arc ended where it began, but it all kind of made sense. You know what I mean? Like, her, her behavior doing all the things that she did. Well, I guess we'll talk about it in the in the tires section. But I really liked that it was using her character at the height of her intelligence. I mean, she was evil. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, she, she certainly, like, she wasn't at the height of her morality. But she did. She had an objective, and she got what she wanted to accomplish done and didn't have consequences. Like she got, literally got away with murder yep. and and got this guy, you know. And, and unlike Hutchinson. the last
1: time when, and we can talk, like we'll talk. And unlike the last time it happened with her where we didn't really acknowledge that and we didn't really talk about it, this time it's clear and she ain't yep. denying it, right? It's, it's yep. on the table.
0: Yeah, and the Abruzzo scene again. We're we're talking. We're almost we're almost in tires now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know what? Let's let's just for the for the sake of, uh, sakeness, Congratulations, Lara Flynn Boyle, on your best actor award. Uh, and let's quickly do the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady.
1: Keith knocked it out of the park with satire overkill, Tom Brady. So
0: there that is. Uh, let's enjoy yeah, I'm it. I'm definitely gonna get sued for that. Yeah, that's why
1: it's coming off the screen. And uh, <laughs> because we already started a conversation that I think people are more interested in, we'll just say that this week is clearly Pip and Brady. So that's easy. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, and then let's move right on into.
0: Oh, okay. I have that, a cue. That's your, that's your Ladies podcast. and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets.
1: Yeah, so you know, I'm curious. Let's let's have this a little more conversationally. I'm curious whether you think, because I'm I'm questioning whether the B case is even necessary. Like I I get that it it lets us ha- let Rebecca, who's sort of the moral center of our firm, have that ever present debate that we're having every episode is like blah, blah 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 blah. But for me, juxtaposing evil Helen in the pursuit of justice versus evil Green Mile, who is Evil, evil, right? But they both have the same objective, right? Basically, it's to outdo the other person, get what they right. want, and whoever gets in the way, to hell with it. Uh, but one is saying they're doing it for the good, and one is doing it not for the good, right? Right. Right. Paints the picture of the chaos we had talked about earlier during the episode much better than the the tropes of seri- another serial killer who we find out midway.
0: Like I just. Well, I I think there is a connection. Okay. Uh, as well as there is a connection to our conversational uh, uh, spare tires because you didn't set up the one shots. <laughs> that Correct. was so so clever, <laughs> very very smooth. I still called you out on it. I actually think there is a connection okay. between the Helen story and the serial killer story because you have the the sort of the downsides of the law and and the public servants. I mean, it's the title of the episode. So as a public servant Helen was able to use the law by not doing her job really and getting somebody killed and it had a bad consequence. and Rebecca, however, is using is ethically using the law and has a bad consequence. So you have so it's sort of like the law you you have you have they're the two angels, right So you have Helen use unethically. And Rebecca, ethically, and both of the consequences were bad. And yeah. I think- okay.
1: I uh, well, then what I think is kind of uh, then comes up short in the writing is that you when you it super tropes that murder, right like it completely trivializes the people he killed and the and the case entirely because it's not about him. Yes. Sort of which I think is
0: yeah.
1: is is sloppy. And his
0: dead I, wife is a chess piece.
1: Yeah. It's it's sloppy and, and you know I just don't know that it was. I understand. I'm just saying and they don't it,
0: have time for it because yeah. you're doing this whole. So you can't see the wife's dead wife's family, because like we, we I, and I think the way it trivialized it was that nobody, nobody we saw on screen gave a shit that his wife was killed. Mm-hmm. Nobody,
1: nobody, and. You know, I guess it gave us a re- it gave us a way to get Kittleson to contract fill- fulfill her contractually obligated number of episodes for the season. <laughs> Probably,
6: yeah. Holland uh, Taylor.
1: I just feel like David E. Kelly They're is not real. David E. Kelly is correct. Thank you. David E. Kelly is <laughs> is skilled enough to have written the whole episode about the A case. I think we could have done it. I think it would have been perfectly uh, connected to last week, which is interesting. I just think that last week. Is set was set up as a season finale, right? That was a season finale. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. This was less so, but that's not to say that I think it was weak. Look, we've Bobby McRamboed, We've we've done the big cliffhanger or the big bombastic season finale before. So right. having a much more cerebral one is effective. Not to mention the other thing. Speaking of neutering, had we never done the Helen McMurderer previously?
0: Ooh, maybe that's it. Maybe yeah. it's Helen McMurderer. I like it.
1: Murderess? Helen McMurderess?
0: Well, we don't gender You're our right. titles here. You're right. We, we're woke. Which, uh, well, actually, it's probably less so because we just default to the male.
1: Yeah, right. I don't so, know. So Somebody explain. Uh, somebody we're, knows. We're,
0: uh, we're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. It doesn't come from... Anything to do with gender, it comes from laziness,
1: sheer laziness and ignorance.
0: Um, I don't want to have to do two bumpers or six bumpers, however many. Yeah. Anyway, had we had Helen McMurder not shown up
1: seasons ago, the impact of this episode, I think for me, would have been trifold. Right. I mean, because we have would have crossed that boundary where it's no longer using the law as our as our weapon to enact justice however you want to define that she stepped into clearly plotting a murder i mean yeah. straight up whether the person deserves it or not that's a whole different podcast but straight up murder and and we identified it right and i think oh yeah what what look it's a long there's a lot of episodes in a season what what gets a little muddy is that you know the whole arc of hell in this season was pretty cool pretty interesting like you said and it came full circle there are a couple of those moments that stick out like that moment with lucy like we should never make we should never then have helen be the moral authority on anything right if this is the arc we're going for but we'll let those go like
0: you know well, i actually disagree i i okay. like that she's complex enough to do both
1: all right that's fair i just think i think it what's what i find most interesting and this is a season in which two of our cast members have had babies we've we've leapfrogged into other universes, other television shows. We then brought them back <laughs> during the season finale <laughs> multiple times into a drinking <laughs> game that the most compelling arc of the entire season is Helen Gamble. And, we, yes. you know, and I think Richard ends up serving that arc. You know, his yeah. whole, the whole character yeah. of him, I think they realized, oh, that's what this has done. And look, what's crazy is, Bobby has been our hero for so long I am interested to see where he's going or what's going to happen. I'm interested to find out what, with what's happening with Rebecca's crisis of conscience, but nothing to me is more I'm more interested in in as to what the fuck is going to how do we continue with Helen? We have to yep. it has to go somewhere. And uh, I just think that also I want to I want to point out that that hero shot of them all walking away from the funeral is badass. So badass. badass. Um, and I love that Helen is a part of that group, and that despite all this back and forth, through Richard and through that eulogy, she's able to say, "Look, despite all the bullshit and the arguing and the murder and the fighting, like we are all on the same team. We're supposed to be, and we're just doing the best we can." So,
0: yeah. Well, I, I no, I, I agree with you, and we'll, and we'll talk about it next week in the season oopsies. Look out, folks. Uh, if, if you saw last, last uh, season, we, we, uh, we, we do it. Are we going we green really, screen know, again? Should we go green screen again? We, we should definitely go. No, but we have to go green screen again. Uh, and uh, I've I've queued up some really fun clips. Uh, it's gonna be worth it's gonna be worth a listen.
2: Okay.
0: Um. Or view a view. You should definitely like the season oopsies. The whole thing's gonna if be. If you on only YouTube.
1: watch one,
0: if if you only watch one, you definitely should watch the season oopsies on YouTube. Anyway, um, I mean this season is. You're right. I think it's Helen's season. And, and I think it, like, last season was Eleanor's season and this season is Helen's season. And I think that that is, it's interesting. I've liked the complexity of that character. I agree with you that had she not previously murdered somebody, <laughs> this would have been much more shocking. But in that she had, I would have liked, I think, I think I'm with you, I definitely would have liked this to be a single story. And I would have liked to watch Helen's decision-making process. As opposed to like, yeah, obviously she's going to do this. Like she, you know, she. The minute you, the minute this happened, you're like, oh, Helen's going to kill him,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and like that was very straightforward. Yeah, and the way um, they had her
1: roll up to the scene of the crime, it just felt very sort of like we're not even
0: well, trying to make it. it yeah, and, and, and I don't mind it. I, I I like that. I love the fact that this is how she handles things. Um, as I mean, as a character, I just find that very interesting. She's sort of an anti-hero. Um, I would have liked what I would like to see moving forward is what should have happened at the end of this episode. If I, I think last time I, I rewrote the uh, the season finale. Yeah, go for so it. So if I'm rewriting the season finale, this, the episode happens just how it is, but as they they go and they're they're doing their hero walk, and, the step, and right before they fade to black. Ray Abruzzo comes up and arrests Helen for murder. And that becomes the season premiere of season six. Because that, I, I think, you know, we at least gave a nod to calling, at, calling out Helen's behavior with this that scene with Abruzzo, which I really liked. Um, but if we had, and, and here's the problem with that having only one, DA, only one person on that side as a main cast member, which is why I think they put Bay there, is Abruzzo prosecuting her. He's not a big enough character. If Bay had survived, Bay would be the person. It's like, Helen, I'm kind of in love with you, but I have no choice. As a public servant, I'm going to have to prosecute you for this and then make that the first half of the next season. That's what I would do if I were writing on a 21-year-old show.
1: Yeah, you, uh. you, a few seasons back, I had uh, I had predicted and or hoped for I can't remember which that Helen would actually jump sides of the table and join the firm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, I'm so glad that that didn't happen <laughs> because yeah yeah it's it's they're much they're able to cover a much wider range of sort of philosophical uh, debate by having these things happen on either side of the table.
0: Yeah. We, Mike, we, we have to move on with our lives. And I needed I need to spare tires. I needed a, a number of tires from you. Look,
1: I liked a lot of the ideas. I don't know that the episode itself fulfilled what I'm kind of filling it with. Like what I think it's what I what I think it's going for isn't necessarily the same as what it is. And it's not in a vacuum, you know what I mean? Like I know that it is lessened by the fact that she's done this before. I think they really screwed themselves a little bit there for me. Yeah. But I still think it's a good episode, but it's not great. I'm gonna give it a high seven. I'm gonna give it 7.8 even, 7.8.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I think I liked this episode more than you did. Um, I, I, I agree with you on its weaknesses, but I thought, I'll tell you why I'm gonna give it more tires than you. It was for the shot of Helen walking back towards the camera from the crime scene and you could hear the and that felt earned over the K ca- over the episode and also over the season again, it's not in a vacuum mm-hmm. which I was like, hell yeah. You know, uh, Helen McMurderer. That was good. Totally. And then the hero shot too was. And the hero, sh- you know, and and there was a lot of stuff. I I thought the the montage. While I felt I felt good <laughs> for Jason, I was like, yeah, good on you. That's awesome. It <laughs> felt weird and out of place, and because the practice hasn't done that before, it it felt very guilty. <laughs> It felt, I I became aware of the show when that happened. It sort of, it it poked the fourth wall um, and it felt like clearly David E. Kelly or the producers or somebody felt terrible about Killing Off Bay and so wanted to do this sort of over-the-top montage (laughs) send-off. And it, it, there are some shows that that fits naturally into. If it's like Grey's Anatomy, like, yeah, of course. But this felt a little shoehorned, and that—that uh, that was my weird point while I was Oops. pointing out. Uh, oh, Sorry, I yeah, didn't, I you didn't know. Make No, 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 no,
1: because it's important. There's something important that has to happen.
0: Oh, uh, okay. That you, is, I have to give some tires. Yeah, that so, first. That first. I—I uh, I am going to give uh, 8.57 spare tires. All right, so we're not as far off. No, so, it's not not crazy far off. I just liked it a little bit more than you
1: did. Um. So. Yes, so we also have to address the cell phone, which yes. uh, I believe, uh, I'm gonna have to roll it now. No, I'm not going to. It's so nice to not have to do any posts on Mondays. Um, but this was the, the phone that I suppose would be used in that hypothetical murder trial of Helen uh, as to why they shot the- it
0: was a justified shooting, that's right.
1: Yeah. Okay, folks. I, I do like also that the murderer, the hitman, was a white guy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's such an easy trope to fall into and make it a, a person of color, but I'm glad that it, all of the really yes. bad if serial we're gonna killers and criminals we're gonna finish the work. season
0: with a cop shooting. Yeah. Uh, let's not do that. For what yeah. it's worth. Okay, well, for what it's worth, and it's not a lot, you have gotten through, I'm cl- clearly gonna say, the longest episode of the Out of Practice oh, Podcast sure. yeah. history. If you would like to email us and complain, you can- uh, <laughs> Nope. Oh, boy, it oh. happened. <laughs> <laughs> you can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media at outofpracticepodcast on Facebook and Instagram. Check out our blog, outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. You can do us a huge favor and join the jury. Leave us a rating and review. We will be so grateful. Nobody does. It's very sad. This episode of the Out of Practice Podcast is brought to you by generous donations from Leanne Wrights, CloudLover69, Jorge Naboa, and Jennifer Masanova. You know, you can join them. All you have to do is go to our show notes in the Pick podcast. Up Nokia.
1: Yeah. And uh, beep, beep, boop, 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 One-time donation, monthly contribution, whatever you want to do. You can do it, or you can just tell a friend, hey, these guys are going through some shit. Uh, let's <laughs> do them a solid and listen to the show. They
6: need a friend.
1: Uh I guess uh, this goes out to uh, everybody who's going through their own shit. You're never alone. Even if it's just a silly podcast, we're all in it together at the end of the day. And uh, we send you our best laser sounds.
0: Laser sounds. All right,
2: we did it.